11 o'clock comics episode 150 Well, yeah, they'd have to be from like the 70s and 80s. Yeah, sure. they're getting that high now. Well, Savage no, they, they, they get that right now, but, but once they get to about you know 120, then they renumber them as number one. And then, they, and then after a couple of years, yeah, that's craziness. Psychotic behavior, actually. You want to get you want to get the first card up right away. How about the fact that Bendis is already the longest tenured Avengers writer in history, and he's just about to become well, no, the most no, tenured no. Spider-Man writer. Okay, yeah. no, first of all, yeah. wait, 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 you can't, no, 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 you no, mustn't no, talk no, no, over no, Jason. Stop, stop. That's first rude. Of, first of all, ten, ten, tenured is time, not issues, and let's not confuse activity with accomplishment. Okay. I beg to differ about that tenured stuff. If the guy can write 150 issues in the space it took another guy to write 75, Let's not confuse activity with accomplishment. I see. I I am. I don't genuflect right. that the altar. No. Kirby couldn't wear his sneakers. I do not <laughs> genuflect at the altar of Bendis. Oh, I do about, like his work, but I mean, you gotta admit the talk guy about a is fish biting the hook, huh? He's pleasing some people. <laughs> Well, but but then but then Jason also had a very a very good article over at iFanboy that basically demonstrates that it doesn't matter who writes it or draws it; it's a matter of what is written or what is drawn in the character. People don't buy stuff because of creators. It's 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 absolutely exactly true. A, absolutely and secondary to me. That that's very true as far so, as Fantastic Four goes. I will not buy that because <laughs> of the creators. Thank you. So, let's so let's get we? in let's get into this. You know what we are. We are 11 o'clock comics, and this is episode 150. I am Vince B. Yes, you are, and I'm Christopher Neesman. I'm all fired up for no reason. I'm 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 gonna switch course oh. and and get on the happy train. There's a reason. We're gonna, we're gonna be talking about stuff tonight that I really really love. I know. I bought a Marvel comic today. Strap in. Nice. Great. <laughs> I'm David Price. Hey, <laughs> sexy it, man. You are. And I am winning, bitches. Tiger blood. <laughs> Boy, I called out. I was like, who's Jason going to be? Oh, of course, we know who he's going to yeah. be. You're not Charlie Sheen, a.k.a. Tiger Blood. You are Jason Wood in the house. And this episode of Celebrity Meltdown is brought to you <laughs> by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you, Mr. Comic Book Collector, Reader, Aficionado, can get your favorite funny books and collectibles at huge, unheard of, amazingly deep discounts. The new order form, unfortunately, is not up because the previews came out today and they haven't decided what they're going to twiddle with. But I can bet that there will be a number of items 50 to 75% off on that list. The usual is like 35 and up. Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, and Image goes like 40, 45%. It's crazy. Get your books from Discount Comic Book Service. And did you know with this uh, modern technology, technological age, that they have a digital arm? They do. It, they, yes, it's called MyDigitalComics.com. MyDigitalComics.com, where you can get digital versions of comics at a fraction of their physical cost, of the cost of the physical versions. Like Duncan the Wonder Dog, amazing, amazing graphic novel. First of, 
I don't know how many, but there's going to be a lot of Dunkin' in the future. And you can get that first step in the Dunkin' trail for $9.99. It's over like 400 pages for $9.99. It's crazy. Top Cow and other independents, $0.99 cents for some issues. It's the wave of the future. See it? The wave. That's my arms doing the wave. MyDigitalComics.com, discount comic book service. That's DCBService.com. They also have this other thing called InStockTrades.com where you can get cheap-ass trades. No, I shouldn't say that. You can get really cheap <laughs> trades. <laughs> How about that? And go. and all the fine people at DCBS and their associated companies, uh, incarnations, are going to be where? Uh, I believe that uh, they are going to be showing up at C2E2. So I think you'll see several of the uh, the, the DCBS crew will be uh, coming into uh, into Chicago uh, March 18th through the 20th. That's right. It's the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. It's going to be at uh, McCormick Place in the West Building this year, the the the, the newer, um, shinier building. And, uh, yeah, there's going to be uh, folks like uh, the aforementioned Brian Michael Bendis and Matt Fraction and, oh, gosh, who else? Mike Norton and Scotty Young and Tim Seeley. I just saw that Terry Moore has been announced to uh, nice. our, our buddy uh, Phil Hester and Mahmoud Ashrar. And it's going to be uh, a, a wonderful weekend. You should go to C2E2.com and uh, check out all of the guests. I think they're going to have people like that Eliza Dushku girl mm. and some, go and some ghost will. hunters. Uh, just announced Chris Hemsworth. Thor is going to be there, and uh, as is, uh, if you're a comedy fan, there's going to be a comedy death ray on Saturday night uh, with Pat Oswalt that you can... Look at uh, you working it. You are working it. I know. Love it. I'm, I'm... I'm actually um, a little terrified because I realize that it's like two weeks from tomorrow. It's unbelievable. You, Someone on Twitter today said 15 days away, and I was like, what? Mario. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Two, wow. two, week, two weeks from tomorrow, and uh, I'm I'm starting to freak out because I've got got a, some other stuff I've got to I've got to get taken care of between now and then. And even though uh, I, I I bought the rest of the of the vino today, so we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have David hopped up on the grapes. So I got that. You got know that how how smart. Speaking of Terry Moore, you know how smart this man is. Now, it's well known that I don't care for Strangers in Paradise, and I never read Echo, but I do admire the way the man draws. And in, in this new issue of the previews, you know what Terry Moore's doing? The guy, you gotta give him props because he knows how to sell himself. Terry Moore's How to Draw Women. It's really? A, yes, it's a quarterly, huh. it looks like it's a quarterly comic, a new quarterly series from Abstract Studio. It's 24 pages black and white for $3.99. Now, if you're gonna learn how to draw women from somebody, that isn't one of the Hernandez brothers. I think Terry Moore is a pretty damn good choice to learn yes. how to draw women. Yeah. See, and now that, there's a case where I'm not an artist in any way, but that appeals to me. Like seeing his process would really appeal to me. Shit, yeah, I would, yeah. I would buy that. Well, yeah, but you're an artist in love process because of it. I, you know, I mean, I wouldn't really yeah. have any practical use yeah. for it, but other than to just, just get a little window into his 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 thinking, you know. Yeah, and one of these sounds- days, I want, I want to, I want to pick your brain about what your deal with Strangers in Paradise is. Not tonight. Yeah, yeah okay. It's not so much a dislike. I just it it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't tick- resonate with you. It doesn't tickle my 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 hang down. Okay. I just I don't know. I just don't well, like. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell Terry Moore that you said that. 
at C2E2. But you make and sure you... you and, a, and if you would like to do it, you you can by going to C2E2.com. If you order your tickets before March 14th, you can get the whole weekend for $50. Look at nice. you. There you go. I had to, but I, had to I, guess, I guess he wouldn't punch me in the face because I would... Uh, couch my comments in. I think you're a damn fine illustrator, but it's I true. just don't dig your comic. Echo is fantastic. I it love is. Echo. It is. Yeah. I need to like any good there. man, there was an even better woman behind him too. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories from last year. Is uh, is whenever you bought the uh, the Big Strangers in Paradise uh, omnibus, and uh, it was uh, what. Um, he was just going to sign it, and yeah. what did she? What did she say? It's his. his she was like, "You're not going to sketch in it." She's like, a "Guy pays that much money for one of your books, and you won't draw a picture for him." <laughs> nice. He's like, "Oh, you're yeah." Right. She represented. She you're represented. like, "Hells, hells, yeah!" I want some, right. I want some fancy in there. Notice. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we um, uh, go knock out the drink roll call real quick? It's here? time. Uh, yes, it is. Right. Uh, Vince, why don't you let us off? Checking in from Boringville, it's me with Yingling Traditional Lager. Max, hey. Uh, Jason, pick us up. I will gladly pick up the bottle of Diet Dr. Pepper I have sitting in front of me. Oh. David, it's been left up Zero to you. for two, Neeson. <laughs> that's sad. I'm thinking this might be the last week of it. If the passion is gone, if... if Damn. If the, if the love is no longer in the room, then then we don't need to we don't need to keep doing I, it. I will have a drink ready for the uh, the week of our sh- uh, two weeks from now. I will be back yes. on the drink roll call. Yes, you will. Uh, I, I would argue that the inebriation has been re- been replaced with an increased level of brotherly love. How about that? We don't need the booze anymore. We never needed. The starting to sound. I know. Like, I'm just trying you're, to bullshit. You're start. You're starting to sound like Charlie Sheen from six you're months from now. <sighs> I will never sound like Charlie Sheen. Um, David. The, uh, I was going to channel my inner Vince B and, and um, relax with a Mike's Hard Lemonade, but I decided to <laughs> go with... Uh, <laughs> yeah, or she. <laughs> I was going to... Um, I decided to go with a... Uh, well, in honor of Charlie Sheen. Menage Trois, California Nice! Uh, a delightful it. blend. Good menage a trois. The goddess two chicks. Um, yeah, he has two women. Yeah. yeah what the hell is wrong with women? Um, it's a delightful blend based on three: uh, Zinfandel, Merlot, and Vince Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> nice. Sounds very tasty. It really is. It's a lot of grape. And thank you to Steve Raker because he introduced me to it. So, huh? There, there you go. Awesome. It, I heard it like good, good, good man that Raker. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna miss him uh, at this con. This weekend, we had, yeah, yeah, we, we had, we had, su- we had such a good time in in New York. Uh, I'm drinking. This is kind of just one of my favorite house beers. Uh, it is from the uh, the wonderful uh, folks down at Two Brothers Brewing, which is in Warrenville. Illinois, just uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump here. You can actually bike ride there from from the city. Uh, it's it's really really a fantastic brewery. This is their Domaine du Page, which is their French uh, style country ale, and uh, it's actually a, a really good beer to drink with food, especially like you know, like roast chicken. You know that, that think like provincial French food it's it's uh it's just kind of a just kind of a, a nice mellow house beer and uh and so uh i decided to just kind of kick back with that tonight so excellent 
check it out if you uh, if you ever see it around. It's mostly in the in the Chicago area. I, I don't know how far Two Brothers uh, distributes out of here, but their Domain Du Page is, is is a really nice little French country ale. Duke, 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 Duke of Curl, 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 Duke of Curl, 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 Ing, 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 Duke, 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 Duke of Curl, Curl. Going with this, it's going to get really gay really fast. But yeah, I'm talking about you, Chris. Love you. Love the show. Later, guys. On to the comic talk. Uh, yeah, I got a lot I want to talk about. Do not you? not the least of which is the BPRD book that we all read. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, by the by, by the way, um, I just wanted uh, a real quick shout out before uh before we get going here um we had talked about alien legion a bunch last week hell yeah and and, um if there was ever a reason for folks to to become involved in the forum um (laughs) david david where's that at hey oh let me me pimp something jesus uh forum well you know i'll do it like vince bullpen bulletins podcast.com slash forum well, well, lo and behold, in the episode thread uh, over this last week, we had a very, uh, very special and unexpected guest pop in and uh, and and give us some updates on uh, on Alien Legion. If you listen to the last episode, we had uh, none other than Mr. Carl Potts uh, chimed in on the forum, which Thanks. was which was all sorts. Of, I was doing a little happy dance in my chair. <laughs> no yeah, doubt, that was very nice of him to do that. It was. It was very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So you never know who's going to show up. How many people uh, responded to his initial post with like, "This is the coolest forum ever"? <laughs> no, no, this is the luckiest forum ever. So, yeah, there you go. So I'm all I'm all hopped up. I read something this week. First thing out of my DCBS box. Thank God, because I was a little worried, honestly. I mean, after yeah, the weekend uh, and everything. <laughs> I didn't never know. know if we're going to have something to talk about. Yeah. Oh my God! I. I now, before I get into this, I have to dress this window a little bit so anyone who dares to look through what I'm going to talk about knows the nature of that which they are looking. It is disgusting. It is foul. It, 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 it is all kinds of de- depraved. It's borderline pornographic. It's just plain nasty. It is. It is crossed. Psychopath number one. Ah. Uh. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I mean, David Lapham, he is not taking any prisoners with this book. He's coming out of the gate swinging and swinging hard. The, the uh, cover, I always go for the wraparound covers with the Avatar books. I don't know. I just like the way the, I just like the way they look. And, uh, this cover pretty much sets the tone for the the guts upon very much intended it is uh, a group of crossed and now on the back cover it, it, on the front cover it's just a stream of gore flowing out of some rectangular object and there's a man sitting on a park bench you know casually reading a book and he's getting doused with entrails and blood and viscerates <laughs> but when you flip the cover over there's a group of crossed Leading children down a sliding board into a wood chipper. <laughs> Unheard of. It, it's amazing. And it's drawn by the series artist, and it's Rollo Caceres. 
<laughs> the guy that the guy that drew Captain Swing and the Electrical Pirates oh, of Sindri oh, yeah, Island. Yeah. He's drawn gravel and he did the ama- I think they're amazing. The black and white uh, wraparound covers for Doctor Sleepless. I love this guy's work. Very very reminiscent of what uh total ben and beset did on swamp thing with the sawtooth shading pattern that kind of undulates around the form that it's detailing you know how um very linear he would do uh total ben would do a thick thin type thing into the shadow area it's very nice and you see a lot of that almost like a woodcut technique uh, a lot of that in this book but where do I start? I mean, right from the beginning, he sets the tone. It is very disturbing. It's It opens up with four of the crossed in the middle of the desert. You see a man pleasuring himself on a log while his three crossed brothers do very, very nasty things to animals. Uh, one guy, uh, naked from the waist down, is trying to pull the head off a buzzard while the other crossed is having his way with the back end of the buzzard and then there's another uh of the crossed ripping the head off what looks like an elk or some type of uh deer-like creature and once they succeed in ripping the heads off these animals they attack each other with them and in the midst Did of any that of them scream that they were going to bust a nut inside your eye to show you where I come from no mm-hmm. in the midst of that they uh incapacitate one of their brethren, crossed brethren, and proceed to stop him up the backside. But he he gets he gets a little bit frisky, reaches back and rips his assailant's member off and flings it across the panel <laughs> in a spray of oh, blood. Man. <laughs> wait, it gets worse. It gets worse. Well, wait, wait, wait. Who's, who, uh, to people listening out there, and who said there wasn't enough all-ages material? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, come on. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's done so well. The, the, uh, the arc of the dismembered penis, it comes out of the panel, so it's almost like it's flung in the lap of the reader. Like, it, it breaks the panel border. <laughs> so in the next panel, you see the cross guy, and he's gushing blood from the waist his friends well his friends his his co-crossed are laughing at him and the uh elk defiler takes a rock bashes the man's head in and he's laughing while it's being done and you see in graphic detail the brains the crushed skull the eyeball falling out and then you know what they proceed to do with their uh dead brother what they did to the buzzard <laughs> they start getting them up the poop chute <laughs> it's I love and, and Vince laughs. I love this book. I love it. It's it's so far beyond. I mean, there's a line. You know, it's almost to the it gets me to believe that someone at Avatar is intentionally trying to tick people off. <laughs> Cuz this thing is freaking foul. Um there's a dream sequence, I hope, where a man takes a garden tiller to a woman's nether regions. <laughs> And proceeds to uh, have intercourse with her with the garden tool. And she's loving it. And she's saying, oh, yeah, baby, more holes for more poles. (laughs) But, I mean, the setup is the same. You have a group of survivors who are trying to basically uh, 
keep breathing in this this vicious new land that they found themselves in uh it's four people actually this time i didn't read family values yet because i was waiting for the trade so i do not know if these characters showed up in the previous arc but if the uh way this book has been going is any indication i don't think characters recur in this book because we haven't seen the characters from the original crossed yet uh, show up in subsequent stories, so I don't know. I don't know how they're doing it, but these characters are all new to me. There's four of them. You have uh, a angry black man named Darwin, who seems to have a uh, romantic history with a red-haired woman named Amanda, and Amanda is very compassionate because when they stumble upon a man with a broken leg in the bottom of a cave, and this is where the psychopath comes in. She rallies the troops and uh, strongly suggests that they take him into their party. We can't leave him here to die. Let's mend his leg, take him along with us. I mean, this guy's pretty incoherent when they find him. Uh, his name's Harold, Harold Laurie. And uh, he takes uh, an immediate liking to another member of the party named Claire, who uh, is cl very clingy to a man named uh, Rick who's the the jock type, the big football, uh, looks to be good with his hands, like maybe uh, some type of craftsman or tradesman. And uh, he, uh, Harold, is fascinated with Claire's lips. <laughs> uh, and while he's telling them the story of how he ran into a bunch of uh, heavily armed, uh, uncrossed, who uh, were actually talent scouts scouring the country for the remaining... Um, scientists and researchers and doctors who could maybe find a cure for this plague that that's overtaking humanity because according to Harold there's a safe house in New Jersey called the mission where they've set up shop in hopes of actually putting an end to this this uh, scourge of humanity but as he's telling the the group this he's looking at Claire's lips and she does have pretty full lips and um, he's fantasizing about you know ravishing her and 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 kissing her and then as the story goes on <laughs> there's a full page panel of Harold in clown makeup <laughs> with a with a a red rubber nose on and a noisemaker in his mouth he has a polka dotted shirt unbuttoned and he's got Claire roped to a tree and he's um doing it doggy style with her and she's scarred and bloody and crying on the tree and she has balloons there's balloons attached to the rope uh which has trust her to the tree and and most of them are just you know your average mylar balloons and there's polka dotted um hippopotamus hippopotami and other type of animals but mixed in with the balloons there's uh blow-up dolls with, with their their mouths you know eagerly uh awaiting uh, insertion of something and there's multicolored blow-up dolls but there's a balloon in the foreground that says fuck my mouth <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's i have never met david lapham but god it's almost as if he wrote this for me <laughs> because i Dude, read you this got it. you gotta go you gotta read deadpool max I may just do that. I mean, this is very disturbing. I I love transgressive. <laughs> yes, I, I love transgressive art because I I really appreciate being shown things I've never seen before, and I don't think I've ever seen a dude uh, humping a buzzard 
and you know, and, and <laughs> you haven't watched enough internet video. No, I don't get into that. But anyway, uh, and and the the uh, the Harold dude seems to have failed someone in his past named Lori. And at the the very last page, he says, "I swear I will not fail again. For our for all of our sakes, the whore will be have the fir- will be the first to go." So, in the midst of predators uh, from the crossed uh, plague, there's also a a very real threat from the human side of it too. So it's a nice little juxtaposition because uh, I mean the crossed are are definitely. Uh, would would cause you to lose your life but now they're getting it from the human area too and it's just it's just there's no light at the end of this tunnel it's just bleak as hell i I loved it i love this book uh caceres's art just makes me very very happy he i think he's got a nice handle on the style that he's working now and there's not too many people in this book with clothes on because the the cross that's what they do they 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 revert to their base animal instincts if they're not um what did alan moore say the reason why we go to war is because uh, people stop having sex for whatever reason. Uh, when humanity's not preoccupied with um, reproducing, they do what they do, and the first natural inclination is to do harm to our brothers, and that's what's illustrated in this book. Well, it's Lapham seems to have that same thematic undercurrent in most of his stuff, which is just questioning the very roots of human nature, you know, right. and and largely coming around to the conclusion that. At our most base, we are pretty horrifyingly disgusting creatures. <laughs> right. So, but I mean, uh, if, and you you know from uh, uh, stray bullets that Lapham is very adept at uh, delineating the uh, undesirables of society, uh-huh. and in yeah. in so many different ways. I mean, he he it seems like he has a deck of you know maladjusted people, and he just you know keeps shuffling it up. And all right, here's another character type, and they're never the same. Right. There's always something very unique about them, and and uh, if it weren't for the psychopath in this, yeah, I would still like it, but it wouldn't be as as fulfilling that you have that additional layer of of doom and gloom and and uh, pending doom. So uh, you know, you could just watch people screw and tear the shit out of each other. That's kind of fun, but at least there's some substance here. I like that a lot. I like it a lot, and um. It's, if we had a book of the week or the month, this would be mine. It just totally, <laughs> it just totally floored me. I, I read it like three, four times. I just kept wow. going back to it. I just, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. So that, that was my, oh my God for this week. Nice. Now that wasn't <laughs> the Chris, book you said that I was going to squeal. For. No, no, no. That's later. That's later. And I, I, I love the way you guys were just listening and it was like crickets. Nobody was saying it. Well, <laughs> well you know, I didn't read it. Well, yeah, we haven't read it. How are we going to, I mean, when you're, yeah, you're but when somebody to... says, you know, somebody stepping a buzzard. <laughs> well, it's you well, know that's that, that's the thing about Crossed is you know whenever I read it, I, I it's hard to say that I enjoyed it. I was, it, I, yeah, I liked it, but by the end of the first Crossed series, I kind of had my fill of it. It's like okay, I I thought that. I thought that Ennis, and it was a Garth Ennis series first, I thought that Ennis kind of said what he needed to about this crossed world that he had and and made, and, you know, uh, Waifum has been able to to, to carry that on and, and do, do his kind of, you know, crazy 
demented um, take on it. Right. But you know, for for me, it's yeah, it's it, after that first series, it's you know, anything more is kind of like you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two mm-hmm. at but, this point. Which, you know, yeah, or like Saw three, yeah, yeah. It's okay, been there, done that. Okay, you know, a- after you see a giant man beat someone to death with a giant horse cock, there's, there's just, there's just not, you know, you're not going to shock me anymore. But that's not the point. The point is not to shock you. The point is, and I think they're smart for doing this because there's different characters in this book than the one than those that we saw in the first shocking it's, it's, in different ways right but it's not but it's how those unique characters react to this violence and depravity is it, is it unique yeah you, they're unique characters Lapham doesn't write characters like Ennis okay you know what I mean so it's kind of like sure. Night of the Living Dead or or, or or movies of that ilk yeah, yeah the zombies are the fixture but it's not really about the zombies like Walking mm-hmm. Dead it's about the people Okay. So, I mean, lesser talents, I would say, nah, pass. But with Lapham and Ennis, eh, it's that's pretty formidable, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. No, I'm. I, hey, you. I'm not saying you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I my appetite for this kind of stuff is seems to be a lot more ravenous than most people's. <laughs> so, no, it, yeah. It's like I guess I I use the analogy of Saul because you know when you had the the rash of Hollywood loves to beat a dead horse. So you had the, right. you had the first few kind of torture for now they're known as torture porn films right. but but uh and and you know i i the first saw i was like that was you know that came out of nowhere for me so i was like wow that was that was interesting you know mm-hmm. um but and i saw, saw six you know yeah and like i saw two seven. or three but like by three i was like you know this is like the same thing i mean it's, it's you know just, what got me about the third one the chick that got that played um oracle from birds mm-hmm. of prey when, when she bit it the, they oh, lost Dana me Mayer was in it? yeah yeah they lost me because it's kind of like Alien 3. The reason why we love the alien, well, at least James Cameron's aliens, was because of Newt and Hicks. They were great characters. Right, and yeah. then so you have Alien 3 and they just ripped them apart. Well, you have a person... Right, they're, they're, wait, no, you mean Ripley. No, Ripley didn't... Yeah, Ripley. Yeah, but Ripley didn't die in the initial stages of the movies. Hicks and Newt did. That's what I'm saying. Oh, you have, oh, you have these recurring... I still say that the third one's a dream. That's <laughs> uh, a good way to look at it. Yeah, yeah I like that. But no, so, Newt asks if we can dream now, and, and and Ripley says yes, and then we start off the third one, and and the the, the pod is cracked. I would, it, so. yeah, I would tend to believe you if not for four, <sighs> because that just that's just at, twisted the knife. So, yeah, but yeah. but no, but, back to what's her name, Dina? What's her name? Maya, the actress. Maya? D- D- yeah, she Jennifer. was in she was in two, and she survived. So she went, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so to to not survive in three, that's kind of like you know, okay, how bleak can this possibly get? It's bleak enough that you're ripping people apart, but to have someone who actually made it through relatively unscathed and have her, you know, dipping her hand in a bottle of acid before her mm-hmm. rib cage gets ripped apart, that's that's weak. Not to be, not to go completely off on a tangent, but David just mentioned Starship Troopers. I just watched that again, you know, uh, not too long ago. The first one. Yeah. And I, movie. you know, I remembered it as being good, and I was able to sit through and watch it again while I was doing something else if it was on. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, uh, Denise Richards and Casper Van Dien are probably the two stiffest actors ever. Oh, God, yeah. It, I mean, like, hard. I don't remember them as being that stiff. I remember it being a very campy movie, yes. and that was that's why they were able to get away with it. But they are just absolutely... You were confused because of the huge careers they went on to? 
the, well, the high, the high you know, they, well, they both had, they, they were kind of the hotness right after that, though. They, they both had a little, I mean, I should, but yes, it petered out. Like, Casper Van Diem had a few lead roles. He was Tarzan. And then uh, Denise Richards, obviously, was a, she was yeah. the Bond girl. And that's how, actually, she ended up marrying, speaking of Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Uh, two, yeah. two things about Starship Troopers. One, y- you cannot tell me Denise Richards is not padded in that movie. Because her her padded. Her, bo- her padded her boobs are uh-huh. way bigger than they are in real life. I know from experience. Number two, uh-huh. it, ca- it because of SpongeBob. I'm watching the film now, and I see and I hear Mr. Krabs as a drill instructor when Clancy uh, Clancy Brown. Oh, is that, okay. you know, oh when he's wow. doing the, I, I hear. See, I don't watch SpongeBob. That, 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 that what movie, the high points of that movie were Michael Ironside and Doogie oh Howser. God, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I won't even let the kids watch it. I, I don't want them to get uh, get into it. Wow. Why? Why? I find it completely un, unfunny in every level. I don't. But will they? Uh, they've seen a few and like them, but I don't. There's plenty of cartoons I don't mind having on in the background that they like too. So I never, I never let them beat the hook. Down. R R R R. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm not a fan. Not a fan at all. All right. Sorry, geeks uh, out there, and everyone so loves I guess, Bob. It's all I guess I guess my book for next week is shot. Talk about shit. cricket. <laughs> uh, say, who lives on a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob uh, SquarePants. Sorry, <laughs> it's all I got to say is anyone that that had the that that wanted to make fun of uh, the success of Two and a Half Men best not be like it's SpongeBob because it's about written to the same level of. Of, of oh citizen. my god oh, wow. wait i gotta back up the bus wow. no, not, no i can't i can't we're gonna argue about this I, no we're not i love them too much i don't really care i you know what i Where mean were we oh by the Who, way is starship troopers a great you know big action big guns and big bugs um movie the the novel's fantastic Oh, mm-hmm. it's so much unlike the movie. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, like, it's it's a it's a different. It's a well, there are, are there are no battle scenes in the in the book. It's but there are giant giant mecha armor suits in the in the book. It too, describes. Them. Yeah, you, you know? don't see those yeah. in the. In the but yeah. uh, the political statement that Starship Troopers makes is, I love it. Yeah, it's it, awesome. It, it's more than just. It's like RoboCop. It's more than just a sci-fi action <laughs> film. Yep. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I said it's, RoboCop. It's a phenomenal <laughs> novel if you've if you've never if you've never taken the and it's short. It's it's a quick read. So if oh, yeah. you haven't read yeah. Starship Troopers, you sh- you should definitely check it out. Yeah. So let's let's do more. All right. Well, uh, Crossed Psychopath Number One is fantastic, and let's move on. Maybe Lapham will pop into the forums this week. I hope so, David. <laughs> you, you, Mr. Lapham, you done done make me smile. Yes, you won me over with Warriors. He, you won me over with Warriors of Plasm, and I've yeah. never stopped loving you since. Actually, well, no, you won me over with Harbinger. <laughs> yeah, Harbinger. I don't know. It was that was well, my I least mean, favorite. That was, his, it was different than Warriors of Plasm, of course. But yeah, I mean, I I, I had the the trading card album, and and I was, me too. I, I love that Zero issue, if you want to call it that. But no, it, it was the art was, I guess, I don't want to say brighter. Just it it had more life to it. Than the Harbinger stuff. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. You're talking it. Warriors of Plasm. Yes. I'm yeah. Not about well, it, it was the, creepier. The Valiant stuff, but I mean, a lot of, and there there were a ton of artists that worked at Valiant that whose work that that I grew up enjoying. I mean, Don Perlin and and and, but some of the Valiant artists, aside from Barry Windsor Smith, could look a little stiff. 
And I thought Harbinger was kind of plain because you had the plain kids, you know, your average, yes. your kids, kids next door, and, and of various di powers. of different body types. You know, you had the the chubby chick, and I don't know. It just seemed very plain to me. But when he did uh, Warriors of Plasm, yow, it was like wow, because everything she in that was book crazy. was designed it was, right. It was, it was nuts. He could just yeah, yeah, exactly. Eleven o'clock is what's up. I'm finally happy you guys got the voicemail going again because I missed it. Um, I'm not going to bug you, Chris Neesman, because um, it's a new year and I wanted to start fresh. So anyway, a couple of weeks ago, you gentlemen were talking about Angel Medina. And I just happened to be at the dollar store where they were selling comics for a dollar. <laughs> Surprise. It was two for, well, two for a buck. So in this pack, I got an issue of Warlock and an Infinity Watch number two, drawn by Angel, Med Angel Medina. And I have to say... I'm really in love with his artwork, and I'm going to hunt down the rest of these issues. I've been familiar with him for a while, because I always loved his work on the Kiss Cycle Circus. But I don't know, seeing his early 90s stuff is really, um, it's really cool. Actually, I kind of miss it. And like Wood and King Dap, I would love to see Angel Medina come back to the sequence of pages. But that's it. So I'm going to leave. Happy New Year, and I'm going to call you again, and maybe next time I'll book an Eastman. But I'll probably not, because I'm going to be good this year. All right, 11 o'clockers, it's Haas, and I'm out. Peace. BPRD, uh, Plague of Frogs. See, Jason and I, we're going to team up this week. And on the on the Twitter, I sent him some messages, and I said, what do you want to read? And we we didn't come to a conclusion, so we defaulted to the group. It's true. Uh, the group think, and we all read BPRD Plague of Frogs. Uh, so we had, to, we had to kick it into high gear, didn't we? Announce this like last week as the book mm -hmm. of the month. Yeah. Right, well, so now anyone anyone that wasn't able to read all four hundred fucking pages in the last five days. <laughs> well, let's be honest. Did, for two for two of us, Chris, we had already read it. So I, yeah, yeah. There was and and truth be told, you can read it in about four hours it's really not that dense yeah especially because the first volume which i talked about not even that long ago on the show is is basically a couple of short stories that yeah and then the the the, the big bprd mythos kind of gets rolling in in volume two. Oh yeah you and so. that would be volume two is plague of frogs right yeah no okay. uh volume two is uh the soul of venice and other stories and then three is okay plague of frogs oh all right so there's actually yeah. three volumes in this thing yeah it's the yeah, first three that, trades. That, that's not bad for what was it? Thirty-four bucks. Thirty-four ninety-nine. Thirty-four ninety-nine. Yeah, that's not like, bad. That's I think it was like through DCBS. It was like fourteen, fifteen dollars or something. Because aren't the trades seventeen ninety-nine? So you're actually it's actually a bargain. Uh, seventeen ninety-five, but yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Mm -hmm. um, a brief overview um, of, of the creative teams. I think the most valuable player in this entire book is Dave Stewart. Well, you colorist. can say that about just about anything that Dark Horse puts out. Right, but yeah, look I mean, at how... Because he, he sets the tone, but with the, the colors are consistent yeah. no matter who the artist is. Is that what but, you mean? Right, but he, he sets the tone, but he, he changes the visual uh, color speak with the style of the artist he's coloring. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. If, you, if, you, if right. you look well, at... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look at the art or the coloring for the uh, Jeff Johns, Scott Collins issue yeah. mm -hmm. with Lobster Johnson. Totally different than the way he colors Guy Davis. True. Yep. Which, which, which is totally different than uh, the Ryan Sook, which, which he, he employed a lot of flat colors for the Ryan Sook, which is smart because Sook was 
in Mignola mode. Definitely, yeah. For for a lot of the art, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's really good. Uh, Sook, it's it's there's no noodling. It's not overly detailed. Not that he's prone to do that, but the lines that need to be there are there, and he sets the atmosphere very well. But a lot of flat colors for the the Sook chapters. It's uh, Dave Stewart. I mean, he's a monster to keep it in in uh, the right frame of mind for this book. He's just You're fantastic. totally right. Although I thought you were going to say Guy Davis, just because to me. Like, when you get to that third trade's worth, the Plague of Frogs, and he takes over, and you, you just, you, it's just like, whoa. You realize what a bad oh, Yeah, you're like, whoa, he, man. You're like, yeah, guy Davis is a beast. And he is. This, and the thing is, it's, and for those that are into the uh, art scene, uh, Guy Davis, I think, really is one of the best working right now, and yet he's he's totally like a chill dude, and his art, in spite of... Mignola and Hellboy movies and and BPRD being a big success, his pages are not expensive at all. Like you can, they're affordable. Yeah, yeah, totally. So if you're and if you like, I think you'll. He was at C two E two last year. Is he? Is he mm-hmm. He's not supposed to be. There I have not book? seen him okay. on the guest list. Yeah, yet. but if you happen to be at a con like I don't know Emerald City or something, if he's but if he's at a con that you're at and, and you you're interested in art, I mean, you could definitely get beautiful pages from BPRD for very very reasonable prices from him. So. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's a beast, and I remember when uh, when it was announced that that he was going to be a, a, a an artist for BPRD, that he was going to do that he was going to be the artist for this. A lot of people were like, Rrr? because you know you you compare like his uh, Sandman mystery theater stuff with Mignola, the Mignola verse, and I can see how a lot of people were just like, really, that's. That's who they picked, but God, it works. Yeah, you know, he, it really does. It, he just and and I think I think you know like like Vince mentioned, you know, the coloring is part of it, but that that was something that I noticed throughout this entire volume, and and you have you know the the first three full trades, but artists whenever they work on Hellboy properties or BPRD properties, I think artists step up their game. It's I I haven't seen. Um, Omen looked this good. Um, Scott Collins, I usually only like whenever he's with uh, Jeff Johns on the Flash. Um, Ryan Sook here. Yeah. is is this is I mean you have to do a double the, take. You yeah. see that it's Ryan Sook, in, mm-hmm. his name and the credits because you're right. It, it definitely, I mean, you, you think of Ryan Sook with with the the Commandy serial in Wednesday's comics or mm-hmm. the first issue of X Factor or, yeah. or the DC promo and I pieces. love Ryan Suck I yeah, love absolutely Ryan Suck. especially yeah. the way he draws women but this is like 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 Vince said he is it's it, he's he's doing Mignola with, with with some Kirby thrown in and and it's just it it looks wonderful and it fits the the story it fits the characters so it it wouldn't look right I think if you had the same Suck that style that that he did command in it just it yeah. it does it and and like you say with with stepping up their game they they kind of even even when you're inked with by, by Manuel like, like Matt Smith is in in the second story mm-hmm. there's um there's just it, there's something they they they're stepping up their game but they're also like, maybe paying homage they're they're until you get to um the uh the story with the uh with the sharks and 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 the Adam Polina story and and the, those stories are mm-hmm. the artists are are really starting to draw the story that that they want to draw using Mignola's characters. Derek Thompson is is who did Drums of the Dead. Um, 
it's they, they, they kind of stray away from drawing like Mignola, but it's still very much stories that I did not read. I, I read the first Hellboy trade, and and I haven't read any BPRD before this, and I am very happy that that I did read this. That this is going on my shelf. I'm going to get the next three books when they come out. Nice. I I am <laughs> I'm very very pleased that I, you know it, it's and that's why I was saying why I was asking last week. You know BPRD because my friends enjoy it so much. It's something that I did want to read one day, and and now yeah. it's like what the hell just took you so damn long and it's yeah. it's i i just i'm having fun and as i'm reading that though I'm you should also, it's one of the best comics it really shelf. is it really <laughs> is and, and as of right now you know it's like you know, here's a new to me for 2011 but um as i'm reading some of this i have to think about whenever vince talks about a writer or um or an artist working for uh for the big two and how they're giving away their ideas working for someone else's properties but why is that different when someone's working on something owned by Mike Mignola uh well like like who like what like well like Golden like like uh like Jeff Johns like um like well, any I mean, other they, 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 but well they weren't creating characters but they're but uh, but they're working yeah. for I, somebody yeah, I see where you're getting at that, that, that's, I mean, and and I know it's night and day working between working for somebody like Mignola and working for somebody like Disney or Warner. I would guess in in addition, I would say to someone's the, probably just fucking geeked out that they get. I was just going to say that in, in addition to the to the to the paycheck, yeah. uh, I would I would assume that these creators would want to work on this uh, as opposed. Hey, to... Hey, you get to do the. 12 millionth Spider-Man story or well, hey right. you want to uh, I don't, don't want to go down that road. Yeah, but I'm, well, yeah, I'm especially just because uh, let's remember that 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 the stories we did, that were in this collect especially the first two trades which are uh, the other stories and stuff were were I mean, Lobster Johnson wasn't Lobster Johnson. It was I mean, there was no BPRD wasn't a big deal in 2000 when this first trade right. was published. Oh, was, but Hellboy right. but Hellboy was. No, not to, no way. Not in but 2000. Oh, oh, I mean like, are, are you talking are you talking pop culture or? or yeah, I'm saying pop- when 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 Mignola hired or you know collaborated to get Ryan Sook and to to draw on Christopher Golden to write the story with him, it was no different than a million other what they might find interesting books that were offered from Image or Dark Horse or anything else that were creator owned. I mean, they, there was so, there, think, well, there was no cachet. Like, BPRD had I, no cachet in 2000. No, BPRD was, like, didn't. Team. Right, but, but I but think Hellboy. I think Hellboy was a critical darling years Absolutely, before. Absolutely, but again, I mean, there's no you're not going to convince me that they were geeked specifically to write Lobster Johnson. He didn't exist until then. I mean, it's 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 there was no. Oh my God, I love that character. There's so I, I remember reading him, and I mean, there was no love. For oh, that's well, Lobster Johnson in particular. I, I, but or I, even I, I, BPRD but, were largely backups. It's not, like we said last week. There, there's not even a Hellboy in these stories. Most yeah, of just the, in flashbacks. Or, yeah, or, so or I mean. Like I think now, yes, now I think when Mignola calls you, most everyone is going to be taking his call because they'd love to be a part of it. And they have mad <laughs> yeah. respect. But I don't know that in 2000 when Hollow Earth came out, it was that big a deal. I don't know that they were jumping for joy. I think they heard the pitch and liked what Mignola was yeah. Hellboy and thought, yeah, it could okay. be cool, you know. Okay. I, th- I think he, about that. I I'm think saying, like, I think Dapper got us on that one. I hate to admit I, it, but I think I'm he got just, us. Just, that's all. But okay. But, but you were, let me you for the, the, before I forget. The Ryan Sook stuff. There's a, a wonderful kind of branching going on here that I noticed. Uh, 
um, each panel, I mean, as formidable a penciler uh, that Ryan Sook is, he's equally uh, as astonishing a designer. Because if you look at each panel, each panel, the composition is wonderful. It's perfectly composed. And then the branch extends out to the page where each panel perfectly composed is arranged on the page in a yeah. very nice fashion but look at the facing pages he's even thinking what's coming next because the the pages as they lay uh left and right they're designed in accord to each other as well so you have this wonderful outgrowth of goddamn solid design that originates from the panels and just works its way through the whole book it's amazing really solid stuff that panel where all those underground creatures are jumping, um, uh, Roger and Abe, that's a fantastic friggin' panel. Look at the perspective. And he tilts it. So you're off kilter as well as the characters. You're as surprised as they are. And the shadows, my God, it's like Jack reaching beyond the grave and tip, tapping him on the shoulder saying, good job, boy. You know, it's just amazing stuff. And, and well, that's how so it starts out. It starts off on a high note with Sook and it just keeps, yeah. There are there are few bottom hitters. I mean, I didn't that, even the bottom ones are still. I mean, they're still yeah. really enjoyable. Yeah. They're still like, like oh, okay. This we should probably. Think, I mean, we're, we're making a lot of assumptions that people know exactly what we're talking about. Why don't we set the tone real quick for this? Okay. The, the hardcover you're referring to is basically the first three trades and and of BPRD. Um, the first one being Hollow Earth and other stories, which um, came out. I think the trade came out in 2003, but it, it basically reprinted a lot of stuff. Uh, that had already seen print elsewhere. Um, you want but, me to read uh, off the, uh, the page? You, you got it? Yeah. It was very have, nice I, 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 that I have they... The trades. I don't have This the, yeah. volume collects yeah. stories from Hellboy, Box Full of Evil. Evil, sorry. Evil. You evil. were evil. Uh, Abe Sapien, Drums of the Dead, BPRD, Hollow Earth, Dark Horse Extra for the uh, Johan that, story. BPRD, that's what I was going to say. Venice. Thank God for the Dark Horse Extra stuff. Because I don't, I don't have those collected in anything. There you oh, go. You're breaking up. Uh, BPRD The Soul of Venice. BPRD Dark Waters. BPRD Night Train, which is pretty fun. Uh, BPRD There's Something Under My Bed. And the BPRD Plague of Frogs comic book series issues 1 through 5. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I misspoke before because I think I said the second. It's the first two trades are basically collections of, of little vignettes in that. Yes. And, and then trade three, the plague of frogs, is when we get started, and that pretty much carries on into the. Well, I mean, you've, you've got you've got Hollow Earth, which is well, right? Yeah, I should, but I'm saying like tra what, trade what, three what? is when because yeah. I'm looking here in the third trade in the in the um, in the uh, the opening stands, it talks about Mignola, and they talk about how um, after doing the first two trades, he kind of sat down and thought, you know what, I'm gonna let's make this a an, another ongoing you know narrative, and uh, and they go off from there. So from that point on. Um, and in subsequent volumes, for those that haven't read it, it's largely a a ongoing you know series of sequential uh, mini series that kind of follow right after you know one on top of each other and and build this this continuing. There's a continuing undercurrent that involves the frogs and and some of the higher powers that you know. Yeah, and there there's two there's two Hellboy stories that are that are kind of important to this. They're not integral. Uh, when you read it, they refer back to. Roger and and Liz a lot and Roger's origin yeah. And, yeah, and that confused me just a little bit. 
Well, you you kind of it's they're they're in the the Hellboy Library editions, but mm-hmm. it's a story called Almost Colossus and uh, and the Conqueror Worm are the uh, the events that they're talking about, and that's basically how they found Roger and how he became a member of the team, and then the events that led to Hellboy quitting the BPRD, right. which was the higher ups at the BPRD. Uh, more or less determined that Roger was expendable and they were uh gonna gonna blow him up and 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 Hellboy uh that that's kind of what the the straw that broke the camel's back and and he left the BPRD leaves the team kind of in disarray and that's where you come in to this volume is yeah. kind of after the events of Conqueror Worm and and B, and the BPRD is looking for a leader because Hellboy is gone and that's when you see Abe steps up and and begins to 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 kind of take take control of the team not 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 in a real forceful hellboy sort of way but he kind of becomes the conscience and and the soul of 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 the team and you have a great new character in 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 johan as well johan kraus don't uh forget about seed of destruction because there's a direct link oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. first first, the first miniseries is yeah ties into uh play the frogs yeah and um the I, I it's, it's been there from the beginning. Yeah, right. The frogs have been been there from the the word go. And not only, I mean, aside from the plague of frogs, it's not only book three being pretty much nonstop once they once they show up in uh, I think was it Maryland, but once they show up in in this town and 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 the team is investigating this this church and it just it doesn't stop. And even even when you think you might have a moment. Of, of peace when Abe is kind of drifting away then you get Abe's origin and then you're like you know, that kind of just rattles you a little bit and and then you get to the end of the, the end of the story and, and you just you want more pretty much did you Abe. read the uh, Mignola's afterward I did so he was he was struggling he to, to find to an yeah. ending for Plague of Frogs, and but I he guess, also wanted to tell Abe's origin, right? But something about in the middle, uh, in the midst of uh, being stricken with the flu or something, he yeah, he's, he's in the throes of fever. He it came to him, and he's he capped it off with Abe's uh, origin yeah. of sorts. Um, and I like the fact that it, a lot is left, even though we we know some of the specifics, we don't know yep. everything. So I exactly like a lot. right because uh, you know they, they they said they'll come back for him, so we don't know. A lot. I mean, you might. Like I said, I mean, this is this is all I've read so far. So I am. And Jason, you said what? There's like nine trades. Uh, no, there's the fourteenth. Is uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I am. I am <laughs> oh, it's it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I yeah. still have some books, some stories to read. Oh so yeah, you got good. I catch you, up. you have you have new even more characters to meet. Excellent. And it's, yeah, it's, King, uh, King of Fear is the fourteenth. It came out uh, like uh, December. So yeah. uh, and the fifteenth is and, too soon. Yeah. So. But you've got other stuff like you know BPRD nineteen forty six in there, and well, that's and the that nice trade, yeah, yeah, which is which is all great stuff. But yeah, uh, yep. yeah, it's so BPRD is the title, and then the, and then the miniseries is the subtitle. So this was Plague of Frogs. This is one through five, and then 
Wakanda. Yeah, and then like the fourth is the Dead, and then the Black Flame, Universal Machine, Garden of okay. Souls, and they're each just the the miniseries that that you know are unsolicited, and then they're just they are under the same B parody trade dress, even though they don't necessarily all go in chronological order. But like sort of Seed of Destruction, Plague of Frogs is a story that trails through almost all of the BPRD to date. I mean, that's a long running sub. Yeah, well, story. that's what I was saying, right? Which is that that's the third trade is when this, you know, it really does sort of find its footing in terms of what then comes later in the next ten trades. Which yeah. is that, you know, it's it that's the ongoing, that's the alien uh, black oil subplot of the uh, of uh, of the X Files, right? The, you know, that's the the big bad as they go through their other very interesting adventures. You know, yeah, yeah. So. You know, and you know, it also. Um, I think we should mention that we even talk about the BPRD format, but you you look back at how this series started and and kind of how it comes out now. It is it is one of my favorite ways to consume comics, and that is to get a really good mini series, maybe a mini series and a half a year it, it makes it a really easy to digest series and i look forward to it and there's no such thing as filler in the bprd when a series comes out everything in it is important and that's because you're getting you know five maybe eight issues a year and mm-hmm. it's furthering the story along it's something that i would like to see a lot of comics go to is you know what put out two six issue miniseries a year or put out you know a five and a three issue miniseries give us stories that that matter a little bit and are not not rushed out because do you care when bprd comes out honestly it's pretty much like clockwork at this point now though i mean clockwork clockwork how it doesn't come out monthly Pretty much, I think it's, they, it's, they it's, do, on, it's on it's on schedule. I mean, they, they do at them. least ten a year, probably. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, they do bang them out. Yeah, no, yeah, but there's you know you'll have Hellboy will come out one month, then it'll be BP. They'll overlap. Um, so it's like BPRD doesn't come out every month. Hellboy doesn't come out every month. They put out the stories when they're ready to come out. I'm not and, so sure about that. I'm pretty certain that it's at least. Ten, ten, yeah. Well, just I mean, to give you an example, uh, you had Garden of Souls, Killing Ground, and 1946 all were released in 2008. You had Warning, Black Goddess, and War on Frogs. Uh, uh, Warning and Black Goddess both came out in 2009. War on Frogs, 1947, and King of Fear all came out in 2010. So they've been, they've been. Chris, I mean, that's, do you? This may be this may be a clue as to why you feel like there's gaps. Do you read them as they come out, or do you read them as each miniseries is completed? Uh, you know, I don't have a rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes I'll pick up a series. It's like, uh, um, with the, the Witchfinder stuff that came out, I picked mm-hmm. that up in singles. Uh, BPRD, I've switched to trades. The Hellboy stuff, I still read in single issues. Well, see, that may be the reason why for your BPRD. Maybe because you're yeah. consuming them when they get them out in trade, you're thinking, mm-hmm. well, you know, but my, my whole, my whole point was, is that they come out in in these really tight, awesome mini series that whenever I sit down to read them, it's mm-hmm. it's a complete story that adds to the overall mythos. Yeah, right. And and I know I, you know, it's like we talked about with Dwayne McDuffie last week. It's like whenever you put a Dwayne McDuffie comic book down, you never said, "Oh, that sucked." 
You know, it's it's the same <laughs> thing. It's the same thing with BPRD. Right. I never well, I, I never throw down an issue and go, wow, I wasted I wasted three dollars there. You know. Yeah, I think that you bring up a point in terms of. Um, I don't know that Mignola, and I think it's Scott Alley, right, is pretty much at the top, the main editor, yeah. right? Is that? I don't know that they get enough credit as a team because I, I do think now that I've started to delve into this pretty intensely and read some of the, some of the BPRD, some of the Hellboy, some of the one shots, I, I do agree with you that the quality of the output is 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 uh, is unbelievably high in spite of a lot of different contributors mm. and i do think that you know for we we do like to occasionally get on quote-unquote editorial and blah blah but i think those guys i mean and i do would have to consider mignola editorial in this role too because it is ultimately his properties he puts a stamp sure. on all the stuff um they do an awesome job of keeping all of that that's that you know that singular tone the singular vision um and, and it's that's all about that thing to do yeah it's um, all about atmosphere in this yeah series. just just to vince to your point i just because I'm sitting here looking at it, they put out 40 issues, and I don't know. This doesn't include some of the one shots and stuff that came out of the related to Hellboy. But they put out 40 BPRD issues over the last three years, calendar years. So that's cool. that's that's more than one a month. That's so that's pretty. Okay. That's, that's pretty right yeah, That's yeah. 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 Um. So that's impressive. I mean, considering again how high quality this stuff is, um. You know, so fucking hats off to them. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it it never ceases to amaze me how many crafters of contemporary horror uh slash fantastic fiction how much they owe to lovecraft big time yeah even oh. somebody who really hasn't read much of any lovecraft i mean you can still you, you just get that sense as you read yeah. sure especially sure. the be, the uh, plague of frogs yeah i was gonna say that whole, because yeah. that i mean with the whole shaduham creature yeah, of course. And, and the the incantations and uh i would argue that uh Mignola's mythos will be mentioned very favor favorably with Lovecraft's in about ten, probably right now. But mm -hmm. I mean, he's his reputation as a a solid uh, craftsman of of horror tales is is not going to diminish over time. I don't think. I think he's going to be mentioned in the same breath with Lovecraft. But you know me and exploitation films. I just love the things, and and I see a lot of. Uh, whenever I, uh, images will trigger uh, much loved exploitation films and, and horror films of my youth, Plague of Frogs. There's one panel in here with the frog just staring at the viewer. That goddamn it, it 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 made me think of George McGowan's. Um, was I think it was made in 1972. Uh, a film he made for AIP called Frogs. Anybody ever see that? With uh, Ray Ray Milans in it, but the movie poster especially. It was a frog. With the human hand hanging from the frog's mouth, you must have seen it. It's it's a classic movie poster. But the thing about a frog, and and I, I decided this as as I was reading it, frogs are pretty expressionless. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. like not like dogs or cats. Like a dog is gonna snarl, a cat's gonna hiss and and arch its back and shit. Frogs do nothing. You can hit a frog with a hammer. Yeah. It, it's not gonna it's not gonna look surprised. It's just gonna keep being a frog like with its mm -hmm. eyes open that's what kills me about frogs that disquieting calm that a frog has it makes you think what the hell does this creature know what is it thinking yeah. and and that's what I'm, I'm i'm going through plague of frogs and every time they show a frog and it just has that blank stare just looking at the viewer it makes me think these frogs are a lot smarter than they're letting on they know yeah. something they, they know that it's hopeless they know you're doomed and just 
props to Mignola for focusing on the frog. I mean, it, it's 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 crazy. This that that pseudo. I mean, there's no emotion at all. That's creepy. That that's not like a snarling bat, you know, with with red eyes. It's a frog, big eyes with huge black pupils. There's nothing Looks there slime. to draw upon. Yeah. Well, yeah, the slime quotient. Yeah, that's that's cool too. But I'm just <laughs> what what is going on behind those big eyes? You don't know. That's creepier than you know uh, a wolverine baring its teeth to me. I don't know a frog. But anyway, I, and and I think the plague of frogs story definitely is the highlight of this book. It's five issues and oh, yeah. it just reeks of prophecy and and portents yeah, yeah. portents of doom. I mean, you have Abe's uh lucid dream of him being yeah. called back to the sea which harkens back to Rasputin's curse. Uh what story was that? Was that um that, that's uh, that's early. Yeah, yeah. And then you have Roger with the ball. Yeah, well, yeah, you have Roger just hanging around. Yeah, but I mean there's something there's there's seeds planted in every one of these yeah. characters that that there it is. It's on page 316 that goddamn frog. Yep, as I knew that. Sunken <laughs> bells there yeah. me. Um and, and then Liz is 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 having these um flashbacks to the monastery where she, two years she spent there uh yeah. trying trying to hone her skills and that kind of didn't end all that well. I mean it ended she escaped, but I mean, she was put through. You know, I, I, since you mentioned that story, I, I got a kick out of how the end of Hollow Earth reminded me, probably intentionally so, of the end of Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Oh, with the okay. plane, yeah, David, uh, holy I, shit. Sense, but yeah, you're right, David. Nice, except we didn't get to see Liz's ass. ass. Yeah, yeah. But, now, <laughs> now, so, so what do you guys think of the characters? I mean, favorites, Lee Service? Because I have to say, uh, having read, I guess I've read nine, yeah, nine of the trades now. Uh, I And I, it's funny because I thought about this in the movies too. Liz does absolutely nothing for me. I do not care for her at all. Liz, but see, there, that's yeah, what's, no, she's not my favorite, but but that's what's cool about Liz. She's I a like fire. She's a fire starter, hilarious. right? And she generates heat. But as a person, she's cold. She's yeah. she she's well, she's disconnected. What, I mean, what did she had her in her young life? What you know? How much? Yeah, she she, she burned her family. So, <laughs> right. So I think I think she had a barbecue. I might turn somebody in a little bit. I yeah, but I mean, isn't that? a nice juxtaposition that she can you know spit fire but she's emotionally frigid that's awesome yeah and i don't think that when i say i don't like her i think that's kind of the point right? I I mean, I, yeah i don't think i don't think she's supposed to be a sympathetic character i mean i, I think she's you know she's she's supposed to be like you said a distant character that's emotionally yeah. closed off and thus makes her very dangerous because she can lose control um but uh she's the of all of the tendrils of all these characters she's the one that i've never really been too keen on in terms of finding out more about her or, or I, yeah. I just don't uh i mean to me you know i'm sure abe is high up in most people's lists because um, he's he's very interesting uh Usually. i think johan is fascinating i don't know that he's all that fascinating he's cool in the beginning but right. there's some stuff that happens to him later on. It's very cool. So, <laughs> that gets fun. Poor so, David. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, poor John. So, uh, you know. Uh, uh, um, uh, my least favorite is is uh, Kate. 
I, I really don't yeah. have that much affection for Kate. Yeah, she's I like all, Kate. Yeah, she's I like all, Kate but, because but, she's the only. She's well. I mean, as of this, who knows what the hell happens later on? But I mean, she's she's the only. I'll say normal looking. Right. I was gonna say she's she's Marilyn from the Monsters. You know what I mean? I never liked Marilyn either, other than looking yeah, at her. Well, oh, but there's such a great scene in the uh, in the graveyard with all of the. Uh, oh god, the, yeah. I mean, hell, anybody else? Any of us? Like, oh, I could run away, and she's yeah. just like, well, another day at the office. No, she was like, oh, I could, you know, could have stayed, yeah, in, the, in, stayed the night, in, yeah. in the night in the night's office yeah. and blah blah blah. <laughs> Hellboy's like, no, you should try field work, asshole. <laughs> yeah, and, but, and I guess we don't. No, we definitely don't. We don't see. I mean. Uh, Daimyo doesn't join the book until after. No, this, right, yeah, right, okay. right. So, right. But okay. going back to that scene in in the graveyard, man, masterful coloring again by Stewart. You have the reds and oranges from the fire. What does he do for the zombies? Green and and light green and yellow. Come on, that's just innate color sense. Boom, yeah. complimentary yeah. colors. Smack He's, it off the page. I had mentioned that the atmosphere is for me. That's anytime I read Hellboy or BPRD, it's 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 the tone it's the mm-hmm. atmosphere of the book it's mm-hmm. it is it's immediate and you know that you're reading a hellboy or bprd book and dave stewart is is a huge part of that because those colors he slaughters set, it. He slaughters well they, it. They, they they just set that tone and that's and that's something about this series that it is for over a decade now has been consistently um one of the best titles on the stands and it has been consistent in in how well it goes about telling its story i mean that's that's right right you know it's yeah that that's you know, whenever, it, I, whenever i think about bprd i think about mm-hmm. consistency you know right. chris you mentioned about the idea of the bprd it's almost become a, a mantra now the bprd the mignola model which is to put out these these uh-huh. um self-contained arcs and then uh you know starting with number ones and uh I think a lot of the industry, if you hear people talk, is have 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 maintained that they want to adopt that model, if not already have. And I was I thinking should. about that though, is that you know there really is no recipe to that regard. Like what works, it what works beautifully for Mignola, it's no guarantee of success. Like I see lots of other indie creators, so I'm going to go to the Hellboy model. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think you see you see a lot of other indie indie creators that would like to go to the Walking Dead model. See, that's what I'm saying. Well, I was just going to say right. These are exceptions. I mean, Mignola's yeah. model, if you look at it in the abstract, it's okay, yeah, I put it, but it's also, fuck, we're talking about fucking awesome comics that are really yeah. well, tightly integrated, beautifully drawn, have a great story, or well written. So, you know, is Mignola, the fact that he's doing one through five, one through five, one through five, helping? Maybe. Yeah, probably does, I guess, for him, it's, but at the same point it's in time. It's, it's it, just part of the rest. Exactly, because you got Walking Dead, which is, you know, as big a creator owned success as we had in ages, and that's going on sequentially yeah. numbering you know I'm, well, I'm not going to miss a month you know Invincible goes on then you've got you know Terry Moore who put out SIP pretty much consistently you had Jeff Smith putting out Bone you know reasonably consistently but he, you know he, he did it in a long form um, he had Scott Pilgrim which put it out in basically you know manga novella size stuff you know like once a year so I just think like I, I think people get too t- like creators they get too tied up in like Format. Thinking that the 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 model, like the 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 delivery process or form, is like the magic sauce, and it's not. It's the 
it's the content, right? It's it's like you got to hit on the content. You got to find fit that magic spark that gets people loving what you're doing, True. and yeah. then you could put out lots of ways. I mean, look at Walking Dead. They fucking he puts out in a million, like the dude puts out the same stuff repeatedly, and people buy it. He's got omnibuses and trades yeah. and hardcovers. Now the weekly, the weeklies and their single issues. I mean, people buy it, and you know it's like so. I guess like I hear the Mignola model or the Hellboy model mentioned a lot. I'm just and I I don't see any reason not to do it that way, but I also don't know that that's necessarily a better mousetrap because I don't know how many people are making comics as good as Mignola and his group. Yeah. You know. Yeah, right. so. But I think oh. at the time they started the um re- uh, revolving miniseries, mm-hmm. the number one issue had a lot more to use one of your words, cachet That's in, the, in the marketplace. Now, yeah. you know, how many number ones come and go and nobody gives a damn? Yeah, Pavlov, so, right? We've, we've, right. we've, we've, they've can, the audience yeah. is numb to number ones now because they happen right. so frequently. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. But uh, what, what else? Oh, David's got to speak. No, no, that's no, go ahead. Do it. No, just to answer Jason from before, I think right now after reading the first book, um, Abe probably is my favorite. I do like Roger. I wish somebody would get Roger some chaps or just something that makes no, him... No, the guy's got a handle on his dong. Come on. I, I, that, that's that's fine, but I mean, I could just do without the bear, the rest, you know. The, Go up and knock the door, David. Go knock the door. Clackety clack. It's, it's, no, I, I, I really like, I, I really like the character of Roger. I'd like to do, um, have they ever done any, I know you have the library editions and, and the Hellboy collections, have they reprinted any of the Hellboy stuff in any of the BPRD collections or, or vice versa? Or are they all pretty much... Um, just... I don't think so. I don't so think if so. if I want to read about the first appearance of Roger, I'm going to have to get a Hellboy collection. Or read, yeah. read the Hellboy yeah. story. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Which, which you, you, you should... I should do anyway, yes. I know. I know. Right, but I right. just, like I said, I haven't... Hey, now, I'm with you, David. I've, I've only read, like, the first trade of of Hellboy. I got it all these library editions sitting there. I like the character. I enjoy the movies, and I'm not sure. You know, I'm not saying, oh, if I enjoy the movie, I got to enjoy the comic book. But I, I, I haven't read enough Hellboy to go, hey, I'm really going to enjoy these stories. I don't know. I know why he left BPRD. I don't know what he's been doing since. I don't know if there's more BPRD comics than there are Hellboy books. I don't know. I, I know very. At little this point, it's about it's about a fifty fifty split. So what is what's Red doing then? What is Hellboy doing now that he's not with DPRD? We can't say. Um, he's he's finding himself. Still, I, I th- no. I, th- I think we're getting. I think we're getting close to right. to Hellboy's return to the BPRD. I've kind of been okay. feeling it for a while, but you know he's been gone for ten, ten years now. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, BPRD. Yeah, I mean. It's been ten years. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of been he's he's been uh, David Carradine for about a decade now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I hope he doesn't well, have the same his end. His early years, his early years. Right. He's, well, uh, um, yeah, he's just wa- walking. Snatch the pebble from my hand, grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> a couple bullet points, and then I think because we've been talking about this for a while. Yeah, let's, sure. let's, let's, let's just let's just yeah, hey, it's hi- I know. Let's highlight some stuff, and then we'll I, do a little. I would talk about BPRD for another forty minutes, and we'll. And and people would just have to accept it. We'll spin the table. Um, my bullet points, um, you can tell that this is a series that's finding its its footing because uh, not every story is a winner. 
Uh, I mean, we've been gushing for this for the most part, and it's well-deserved, especially the Plague of Frogs five-issue series at the end. But there are a couple of, like, Drums of the Dead is okay. The, the Abe Sapien story with the, the, uh, the, the sharks and, and why they're following these, these ships. Um, but I, I think, and it's the one, uh, with the religious zealot, uh, and the three. Oh, the first guy Davis story. Right. The dark water story. I right. think, I think that was a complete misfire. Really? Um, yeah. Visually, you can tell that, uh, Stuart, was coloring Davis for the first time, at least in the in the BPRD universe. It's way too colorful for that kind of story. Uh, it's too bright for me, and it's just it's your oh, average. Okay, okay. it, it's your average, you know, uh, accused witches witches reaching yeah, yeah reaching across the ages to to get the better of their their uh, person that that doomed them. It's okay. I mean, it's great Guy Davis art, beautiful coloring. It may be a little too bright. But it doesn't play well with the rest of the stories in the volume. I don't think okay. it just—it seems like an afterthought, really. It—it it wasn't bad, but you know, you can't you can't you know hit them all out of the park, really. Yeah, um, I thought that maybe um, the the under my bed story might. Yeah, be I didn't care for that one either. It was it was it was neat. It, it had some moments. I I, I like the Polina artwork, but um, yeah, it just see, it, I, did, I didn't care for it too much. Really. Okay. Yeah, everyone looks was, like they, the they're in a different look of the book. Yeah, Abe Sapien looks like there's really strong gravity working on him. I mean, he's being pulled in a lot of different directions. <laughs> I didn't didn't mind it, but um and my last bullet point, uh Plague of Frogs is probably the one of the most cinematic comics I've seen in in a, in a lot of years. Wow. Uh, it, it almost looks like storyboards for a movie. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, that's it, what I, I mean. It, well, you're you because when it's, and maybe that's part of why when I say I'm like, oh my god, Guy Davis is just a beast because it's like those first two trades are really fun, mm-hmm. but I didn't like. I read the first one a while ago and then never really felt compelled to go back into it because I was like, oh, that's cool, you know, some little vignettes about the Hellboy side cast. That's cool. But like that third trade, and then all of a sudden you see this grand story unfolding, and yep. you know there's a lot more behind it, and it just looks it's consistent because it's all yes. one, and you're it's like, wow, visual, you're like stunning. Jesus, yeah, it's just especially phew. the underwater sequence with the Victorian oh, uh, yeah, deep, deep sea diver. Yeah. Oh my god, oh, the little like the almost like the Nautilus type of submarine, and and he yeah. just he keeps it rolling through the the Abe wandering through the the, mm-hmm. the rain of frogs into the the chamber with the seance it's just so much detail masterful really I had to actually I had to read that that, that section more than more than once because it was I was like wait okay what am I oh I get it man it just yeah. mm-hmm. like, but and that's another thing about Davis for as much as he lays down the uh, brevity of his marks he he leaves a lot for the eye to fill in that that's a, a master right there he he knows what to put in, what not to put in. Mm-hmm. He's freaking great. So that's all my bullet points. Nice, you can, nice. You can run with it. Awesome. Uh, for me, I guess uh, I found this hardcover to be a really good starting point. I mean, like Jason just said, you know, you had to go through two trades to get to the team coming together and finding their footing. Whereas you know, everybody's always said about fables. Oh, you know, yeah, read read past the first one and and. Two trades might be a little bit of investment for people, but as far as reading it all 
under one hardcover. Um, I, I enjoyed the stories before everybody got together. Before they, they, this is, I guess, the way it's going to be from here on out. I, I yeah, they were one shots and and buying them off the shelf. I guess you know you knew they were one shots, but I didn't. Um, I just I, it was missions. It was just stories of of them all. Of you getting to know them, so so I had no problem with that. Uh, I like Lobster Johnson. I, I I want to read more Lobster Johnson. I'm hoping that there'll be more in future books, and and there aren't any Lobster Johnson collections that I have to get separately. There there are there Lobster is, Johnson's there, there, miniseries. Yeah, there's a yeah Lobster Johnson miniseries that's awesome. Couple of okay. them. Okay. So, well, I'm I'm filling out my shopping list. I guess for C2, but the uh, I. I recommend this. I enjoyed this a lot, and uh, I am a BPRD fan now. Yay! Nice. About fucking uh, time. Yeah, all right, Queen of Country, relax. <laughs> Anybody else got the bullet points going on? No, we're done? We're going to wrap yeah, it up, I, Chris? I, I, my bullet, my yeah. bullet point is that it's awesome. Okay. Yeah, it only gets better. So. That says it all. Oh, yeah, that's oh, very true. Very it gets true. better. It gets heartbreaking as well. Uh, yeah. Yes. And there's, uh, there's a... Uh, they seem to ramp up the emotional quotient too, because there's a lot of mm-hmm. feelings that start to crop up between certain yep. characters. Feelings. It's really, it's really cool. Feelings. Yeah, it's very well done. Thank you. You know, I met uh, Mignola. No, I got I got a couple books uh, signed from him. Huh. It was during the time of uh, Jim Starlin's Cosmic Odyssey. Co- Cosmic Odyssey. There yeah. we go. So, <laughs> so I I have the whole Cosmic Odyssey series autographed by Mignola. I may have caught him on a bad day. Because really? yeah, oh, really? he w- he was not very nice, but oh, it was, he he wasn't very swamped either. Uh, he because back then Mignola was not, as far as comic f- households go, you know, a name you heard very often. And uh, mm-hmm. I was very cordial, went up to him and hey, brother, I love your stuff. Can you you know? And he was I'd just bring like, my Rocket uh, Raccoon miniseries up for him. So. You know, I was just going <laughs> to say I didn't want to bring too much. Up, he brought up Cosmic Odyssey, and and you had to go and mention Rocket Raccoon, and and. I, I feel a segue coming on. There is a segue coming on, because I bought a Marvel comic today. You already Jason. talked about a book. Jason, do you know what I want <laughs> you to you say now? No, you talked about Frost. How old does he talk about a Marvel just, just book? Give me, just give no, me two minutes. Frost. It's somebody no. else's turn. I want to make Jason happy, Jason, damn it. Jason, Jay- what would you I, like I, to talk I, about? I, I'd like to hear Vince's question. <laughs> Jason, give me a little... Um, you've said it before on the show. I want you to step into the soil... Uh, as it were, of a popular character, and s- say his, uh, give me his calling phrase. Catchphrase. The only his catchphrase. Thing he ever says, "I am Groot." Yeah, that's right, baby. I bought Annihilators number one. <laughs> nice. Oh, I, don't know I get mine next week, but oh, uh, uh, that's dear. There seems, on the Twitterverse, at least as far as Gobo and other people, there seems to be a lot more love lavished on the Rocket Raccoon half of the book. And it's it's good. It it was it was very good. It's um a, written by Abbott and Lanning naturally, but Timothy Green, the second oh, is the artist. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so it's it's stunning art. But I didn't dislike it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's it's just it's goofy. I mean, Rocket Raccoon has taken the job of a. You're getting ready to spoil this for me, aren't you? No, no, no. He's 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 taken the job of an office uh male person. Pushing the cart, dispersing the mail, okay. uh, un- under the uh, 
reasoning that he's very cute and he will increase increase office morale because the <laughs> the denizens of the office are nothing i mean they're really pretty grody looking and um so he just does his job and one day gets a package and it's an assassination attempt i won't say it's in the package you can have a surprise and it, it leads back to his buddy group okay nice so very cool but the i really like the main story because it features trappings and characters from one of my all-time favorite Marvel series, Rom Space Knight. Ah, yes. This friggin' thing is dripping with Rom. I mean, the 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 dire wraiths are in it. The Space oh, Knights cool. are in it, including a female Space Knight who is joining the Annihilators, or who she kind of put takes them to task because uh, she's she un, she she claims that look at you guys are all alpha plus level power but you're basically useless you're holding back because you're afraid of destroying everything here i am you know barely an alpha i came in and i wiped the ground with you you guys need to step up your game and figure out what you want to do do you really want this to work so she she plants a seed of doubt within them but the way she's designed it's like a female rom she's got nice. the the big bright red eyes but on her chest you know that louver type washboard pattern that rom had she's got that um and the the big bad in this issue is dr dread david do you remember <laughs> what dr dread did dr dread dr dread was from rom he was the guy he's a, a dire wraith sorcerer he was the guy that bonded brandy oh, to, to yeah. the the armor the the this this the star yeah. um starlight <laughs> so yeah so this is it's rooted in rom and you got cosmo um, it's really cool in the beginning where, when she's kind of putting the, uh, the annihilators, well, the yet formed annihilators through their paces. I mean, she punches Gladiator right in the face and knocks him on his ass. And, uh, it's basically, uh, let's measure our dicks because she claims that Ronan is the weakest of them all and he does not take too kindly to that. So during, through the whole story you have Ronan like, "Well, yeah, I'm not an al I'm not a, I'm only an alpha." And uh so it, there's that humor, that Abnett and Lanning humor, but I I liked it. I I thought it was really good. I you know, I've been away from Marvel for a while. I thought, sure. thought what the hell? Silver Surfer, Beta Ray Bill, Gladiator, Ronan, oh boy. Quasar, give me a break. I gotta buy this. Nice. I didn't, I didn't read Thanos Imperative and I didn't ha, I didn't have to. Because awesome. it's pretty, oh, cool. pretty much all, it, it does spoil two things for me. Big deal. You know, I'll live with it. But, uh, Dire Wraiths, come on. I, I had Sweet. to have this. It's, it's can't good. Wait. Can't it's, wait to get it. It's $4.99 though, but it's. Oh, was it? Yeah, it's 40. It's 42 Rocket, pages. Rocket I, I don't even pay attention to the price. It's yeah, in the, in but it, it's box. 42 pages, so you're getting... Oh, okay. Is it you, 42 with 10 pages of ads, or is it 42 pages? No, it's 42 pages of art. I don't know how many pages oh, okay. of ads there are, but I counted the pages just to make sure. Because so, it's I like, like, so it's like a double-sized comic. Yeah, 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 and it's it's uh, it's really good. I liked it a lot. Awesome. Um, and when when you see what happens at the end, it's very cool. There's There's some shit coming down. Yeah, be getting cool. me some Rocket Raccoon and Groot sketches in a couple weeks, bitches! Yeah. <laughs> um. Hi guys, it's Matt, um, Templar from the forums. Uh, I just thought I'd share something with you. Um, I've been waiting for a, an operation date. I've got to have a, um, an, an op on my arm um, and have a plate put in, which means I'm going to be in plaster. Um, and the date of the operation is the 24th of Feb, which means I'm still going to be in plaster for Kapow Comic Con. Uh, on the 9th of April, um, which myself and a bunch of other um, 
of the sort of UK 11 o'clockers are going to, which we're really excited about. How cool would it be to get a ton of signatures on my cast? Because um, JRJR is going to be there, Quietly is going to be there, um, uh, Miller, of course, Jonathan Ross, um, and, uh, and Gibbons. So I'm going to go for a Kapow arm cast, because um, I think that's quite, I don't know, that would be cool. I'm really looking forward to it now. So it's kind of this silver lining on, on this horrible putting kick-ass metal plates in me. Um, but yeah, so a Kapow cast is what I'm going for. There you go. Bye. Did any of y'all read the uh, the Thanos uh, imperative or? or no, I, I skipped I that one. No, okay. yes, I did. Oh, you did. It, and yes. I enjoyed it. I mean, I it's just a continuation of what's been, you know, multiple years of excellent Marvel okay. Cosmic. I mean, okay. um, I, I guess some people complained that. Um, it seems like a lot of people really liked that Abnett and Lanning kind of broke out of what a lot of people considered that Marvel had been for years and years and years stuck in this loop of Jim Starland, uh, Jim Starland stuff, and that uh, Abnett and Lanning were able to break away from that by, um, you know, by telling different stories, and that some of the people thought that they kind of had run out of, they kind of fell into the same trap with this last arc in the Thanos imperative of bringing back Thanos to the center and making it all about this, the, the classic battle between him and Warlock and, you know, all that stuff. But, but I, I will say though, that, that I was never, um, I, I was always a fan of Marvel's cosmic, including Starlin stuff. So, so Abnett and Lanning executing on those same characters and themes doesn't bother me at all. Um, so your mileage may vary though. If, if, if you were one of the, like, I know Peter Rios, you know, we all know uh, from CGS. I know he, he's a, He's a, he was a big fan of Abnett and Landing principally because it was in a different direction from the Starlin stuff. So I don't know. I'm curious when I see him what he thought of Thanos Imperative. But again, speaking for myself, I thought it was you know just more goodness. So yeah. cool. when you have a foundation that rich, it, it makes sense to to uh, capitalize on it. You know, I mean, yeah, they went in a different direction for a little while, but the Starlin stuff is so sound. I mean, why not use it? Yeah, but I'm thinking with this, this, I think her name's Icon, the Space Knight. Dude, if they bring the Nullifier in somehow <laughs> to get Rom's Nullifier, I will buy every issue of this book forever. Nice. Forever. All yeah. right. <laughs> uh, I'm, I miss Rom. I miss Rom so much. And, and there's really nothing you can do. What, what, how do you get him back? You don't. You know. Socks. Yeah. They should have called her Roma, but there is a Marvel fan Roma. Fiction. Fan fiction. Yeah, fan there, there is Rom slash fan fiction. Oh, there is. Sure. Oh, yeah. Who's in love with Rom? On that guy, that guy, uh, yeah. 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 Ooh, the, I the, 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 <laughs> it's got frames all over the place. It's a nasty-looking uh, site, too. It's a nasty-looking website, but this guy, <laughs> this, this, this person. He thinks Rom's real. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like wants to bear Rom's children. Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy. The dude needs some help and I don't <laughs> Yeah. It's, Seriously. It's, you can't you can't knock that kind of love though, but once it no. steps into the I want to father your Galadorian children, that just you know, no thanks. <laughs> that's, that's even that's, weird for me. <laughs> and that's weird. That's weird. All right. So let's let's spin it around again. What else we got? What you got, Chris? Oh you know what? Before we do that, speaking of Starlin, how about Breed coming back from Image Comics? I didn't Jim, know Star Jim Starlin's yeah. breed, yes, that's big doings oh, for me. Breeze. Yeah, from the Bravura. Well, um, yeah, because 
God forbid Image puts out their solicits the same month everybody else does. But yeah, it, it, I think oh Dave A posted the thread uh, yesterday or today. But yeah, yep. Breed's coming back. The third Breed miniseries. Thank you, Jim Starlin. They show preview pages in the Diamond catalog. Yeah, it didn't miss a beat. Bam. Starlin, if you don't buy it, I'll punch you in the face. So <laughs> go do it. All right, I'm sorry for bogarting that. God. <laughs> You're uncharacteristically talky tonight, Vince. Seriously, I am, because awesome. I, I, you know, you little pe- stuff. a little peek behind the curtain. I didn't think I would have time to read anything this week with Seriously, the way I'm things were going. But I, I, I double-timed it, and I got stuff done Monday night, so I had lots of time, like Question, Tuesday in this afternoon. To, to, honest to God. No, if anybody questions that I am not devoted, then piss off, because uh-huh. I am. Uh, <laughs> at least to this. Um, I did read a bunch of stuff, and I was going to read more. Like, I got Next Men number three. I couldn't wait to dig in, but I waited. So I didn't oh, ne- the 12-issue miniseries Next Men? What is this now? It's did not you, an ongoing? Look, look, look in your previews. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm not doing it. What, is right. it really a miniseries now? Yep, it's 12 issues. Oh, maybe the sales aren't that good. Of course they're not After that good. Two Son of a bitch. Oh, while we're talking about the previews, I'm, I, I don't know if you guys remembered me commenting on the rocketeer relaunch way back when yes. and say, saying that uh you know i don't really that the idea of anyone but dave steving dave yes. stevens doing the rocketeer is not very palatable to me or palatable whatever you say but i, I looked at the uh the laundry list of creators on this thing it's going to be hard not to buy this Mike Allred, Kurt Busick, John Cassidy, Mike Allred again, John Cassidy again. What the hell? Oh, those Hold are writers. It might be 50-50 there. Uh, Mike Allred, John Cassidy, Mike Kaluda. And every okay. time I say Mike Kaluda, I want to say Kalima. Mike Mignola and nice. Jim Jim Silkey with covers by Alex Ross and a Dave Stevens cover. It's an odd duck collection of artists, though. No, it's not. It's all heavy hitters. Well, is it, is it John Cassidy? Well, no, it's heavy hitters, but they're all very different styles. I mean, mm, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. Alex Ross, Mike Allred, Mike Mignola. I mean, I don't know yeah. how you get much. Well, well Alex Ross is just, just doing the cover, and it's very right, nice. but I'm He'd... saying, like, that's kind of odd to me that you would have Alex Ross covers for guys that are masters but their interiors look nothing like that like i'm just i mean i know a lot of people throw alex ross covers on lots of things to get it to sell but i just i guess for me Project it would superpowers. yeah i hope they don't have any john cassidy covers thrown on there because that's um, what i'm saying it, it, it looks like X-Men john cassidy or yeah i know john which cassidy. which cassidy we get are we yeah. getting planetary john cassidy? but there's a, <laughs> a betty a betty pinup by jim silky jesus oh nice oh you gotta so i've i've done a a, a 180 on this, and I, I'm going to go the opposite direction and pick it up. There you go. All right. I'm sorry. I'm talking again. Go ahead. Can't, yeah, can't yeah. Quite. Please apologize. There's no bottling you up. I'm not. I'm all fired up. I'm infused can't with the love of comics, <laughs> bitches. Yeah. This Green Lantern costume sucks. I don't care what anybody says. It freaking blows. Hold it up it to the does. screen. see it. Yeah. Ridiculous. Go ahead. Take it away from me. I can't be stopped. You can't. You're like a, you're like a roller coaster going down a loop. You're like Charlie Sheen. You're like a, I read like cool. 400 pages of BPRD. He's high on Vince. All right, well, listen. Lose to you. Yeah, you. No, I, I, I honestly read, read some read some other stuff that I 
quit about halfway through because I was like, ee, ee. you're not being oh. Well, come oh, on, tell us about yeah, it yeah, then. No, 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 no. Like stuff no. you didn't. No, because no. he's going to see them all in a couple of weeks. He doesn't want. Oh, that's true. All right, all right. Well, I got something. I, I, I uh, the ninth trade of uh, of DMZ uh, was it was Ooh. in my SBS yeah. box last week, and you know, there's another series that quietly. Little engine that could. It's it's now well past fifty issues, which is in this day and age, I think, quite a nice uh, ticker cap uh, testament. I've never read it. Um, yeah, well, I don't think you're alone. I mean, I don't know. That's a great set. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, well, no. I mean, I think I'm, again, I'm not making fun. Of it. I love this. I'm just saying, but like Vertigo books is, you know, I mean, let's be honest. They at least in single issues sell a couple thousand copies each. Yeah. yeah. So I, mean, I just you know, also never alone. realized. I, I never thought about it being subject matter. I'd be really interested in. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I'm not the biggest. I, 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 this was the first Brian Wood stuff I read, and I adore it. Um, most of the stuff I've read of Brian Wood's subsequent oh, yeah, to this, I love Northlanders. Right, I'm not a huge yeah. Northlanders fan. wasn't a huge fan of Demo. Um, you know, local. so forth, so local. Um, but this, I, I, I love, and uh, and for those that don't know the premise, it's basically, uh, it's the, the 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 protagonist of the book is Maddie Roth, who is um, an embedded reporter. Effectively, there's been a uh, a little bit of a civil war, um, not even a civil war, but there's been a uh, New York City has become um, a demilitarized zone, um, uh, Manhattan specifically, uh, and. And uh, and Maddie Roth is sent in um, basically to be an embedded reporter and report on it in the beginning of the book. But um, the book kind of progresses in real time. So at this point through the ninth trade, he's been there for well over four years. And his, as you might suspect, uh, when you live in a demilitarized zone for four years, your life is going to change dramatically. Um, and Maddie Roth's arc through this has really gone. He comes in as sort of a wide-eyed idealistic kid that wants to tell a great story and make news headlines and he quickly uh sees how just dif- disenfranchised and fucked up the world is and gets very uh jaded about the united states government and um one thing i brian wood is very political um i think if you read his, he's very he's a very liberal guy um he has very strong views about uh military complex and uh the role of of our government and and what should be the role so I think he definitely uses his book uh, as a bit of a pulpit in that regard. But where I need to compliment him is that um, I generally don't share many of his political views. Um, in <laughs> fact, I probably disagree with him vehemently in many. And yet, I find the book extremely entertaining and captivating. Um, I, so I, although I do think he politicizes things, it never comes off to me as preachy for the sake of being preachy. Um, I, I think you know what side he's on, but I don't think he lets that get in the way of telling a very good story. Um, and that's I, that's to me, as far as I go, that that deserves a lot of credit because um, if I you know detect preachiness in a book, you know overly politicized, that turns me right off. Even if it's sort of stuff that maybe agrees more with my viewpoints, if it just appears like it's someone's trying to just loosely push their views onto someone else, that that turns me right off. So this book is not that. But um, this ninth trade, I don't want to go give away too much about. You know, there's been 49 issues before this, but um, this finds Maddie in a very different place than he's been in for the last few years, which was largely a position of power and great influence for reasons that largely culminate at the end of the eighth trade. Uh, the, that last arc, he now is faring very isolated. Um, he's uh, in the in the beginning of this book. He is shacked up in a uh, apartment in an abandoned part of Manhattan by himself, hiding out from everyone, his former allies, his enemies. Everybody's looking for him. Um, 
and he kind of decides to go on a walkabout. He he finds uh, a crashed U.S. military helicopter um, with two corpses in it, and for some reason he notices their dog tags and decides to take the dog tags and gets the idea that he needs to cross through all of Manhattan, which is literally in this book like crossing through uh, the middle of uh, of Baghdad. You know, it's it's you know there are snipers and warring factions and nothing safe. He decides he's going to cross through Manhattan to go to the checkpoint where the U.S. military is and deliver the dog tags uh, to the next of kin, um, regardless of what that means for him, understanding that it probably means he's going to get arrested and thrown into Guantanamo. Um, and, uh, and he does that, and he gets to that point, and let's just say what he thought was going to happen doesn't happen, um, which um, as a result of that, it completely resets the status quo for Maddie in the DMZ and what's to come. And that leads into what, you know, will be the, the 10th trade. But, um, the, the cool thing about this trade in particular, why I wanted to, to mention it is that, um, uh, the main artist in the book is, uh, Ricardo Burchielli. And mm-hmm. I love his stuff. It's just beautiful. He's a, a uh, Italian artist. Uh, just, uh, it, it's, it's awesome. It's very much a little bit, um, less expressionistic Eduardo Riso type of look. Um, you know, a, a little more of a, 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 a little scratch to it. Yeah, a little bit of scratch to it, um, but but tons of detail really really sets the tone. Um, love his work. So he's and he's been the main penciler for for the majority of the series. But in this book is also a uh, anniversary issue called Notes from the Underground, and it's kind of a uh, it's it's an issue that takes little vignette looks at some of the supporting characters um, that have been in the book. Um, not dissimilar to like those that read Scalped, you know, every now and then Jason Aaron will do that kind of issue where he'll just kind of take a day in the life of some of the, um, adjunct characters. But what's awesome about this is that Brian Wood pulls in some heavy hitters. He's got, um, Rebecca Isaacs, Jim Lee, Ryan Kelly, Lieber Mayho, Fabio Moon, Philip Bond, John Paul Leone, Dave Gibbons, and Eduardo Riso in this issue. Um, and it's fucking brilliant stuff. I mean, seeing Fabio Moon write a story in this universe was like, oh, it was like, <laughs> oh, it was so awesome to see. I mean, and Ryan Kelly, who again, um, you know, not not a tremendous fan of 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 the of the work that he's best known for, but I like it. I not not to begrudge his art. It's just I didn't care for the stories too much. Uh, I thought it was a, did a great job. Um, uh, John Paul Leone is just awesome. I mean, we he's don't always see awesome. Stuff. Yeah, we don't see enough John Paul Leone. Um, so just, uh, just a, a great thing. And, you know, one of the problems I think Vertigo has, and I do think it's a, it's a problem for the line is that I think they now have a reputation of telling these really long drawn out ongoing stories, um, which is awesome if you get on, on board for them, right? If you start at the beginning, which, which many people, I guess do, but I also think it keeps people from jumping on because it gets daunting. You know, people think like, ah, oh, I'll read that someday, but I don't, you know, I don't want to have to read Keftar from 50 issues. So, you know, I have to give Brian Wood credit if, if to those people that maybe are a little willing to step into a story and, you know, call me crazy. But last time I checked, most of the comics that we started reading when we were younger, we just jumped in. You know, we didn't worry about if it was a good jumping on point. Um, I think the ninth trade is actually a really good jumping on point. It recaps hmm. the important things that happened over the last year or two. It introduces you, reintroduces you to Maddie, and again, it sets a completely new status quo such that I don't think you need to have the long history of what happened before. It certainly would be great if you had it. I mean, I'm not saying not to start from the beginning if, if you're so inclined, but, but uh, you know, if you feel like picking up an issue off the shelf, now is probably the best time you've had since, you know, 
five years ago when the book started. So um, cool. Hats off. Hats off to Brian Wood and and uh, and Burke Yelly and and uh, and all the contributors to this. Pretty pretty good good stuff. And I think I'm the only one of the four of us that reads it with regularity, right? Yeah, I lost my taste for it. Mm-hmm. Round issue fifty five, around there. Oh, so you read this one though? Is well, no, I didn't say I, I lost my taste for it. Meaning I bought up to fifty five and I didn't. Oh, because this, I think this goes yeah. up through uh, fifty four. This trade, mm, actually. Okay. Well, I have them here, but I didn't read them. Okay. And I and I did stop buying it, but not. It's just, um, if I'm going to get depressed by a book. I, I would like it removed from the real world a, a little bit. So. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's that's why I say, I mean, this book is a little bit close to home if you're, especially, I think now, even more so than it's been in, in a while because of what's going on all across the, the Middle East uh, in terms yeah. of uprising. Um, but, uh, you know, this book felt really uncomfortable when we had the bank crisis. You know, two and a half years ago, this book was a very uncomfortable book to read on a monthly basis. Uh, I mean, it really did feel like, you know, we weren't too far removed from that being a reality. Um, it feels a little different now, you know, even though I don't know that we're all that as much farther removed from that as the reality as people think. But, you know, right now everyone's, you know, blue skies are here again type of thing. So I think the book seems more fictionalized again. Um, but, uh, but hey, you know. I, I think that's one of the main problems with Fear Itself, that, that new Marvel, whatever uh-huh. that is, miniseries, uh-huh. that, that mirroring the real world is not always a good idea, uh, particularly when your real world isn't all is that Is Dr. Kipper. Doom trying to, trying to um, decertify the unions and take away their... Well, no, I mean, I don't really... Oh, wait a minute. I don't really Dr. know Doom? what the... Uh-huh. Well, Dude, David, have you read 588 yet? No. Oh, you're not. Oh, that's right. You're not really reading it. Chris, do you read it? Well, I have Fan- no idea. You're talking you about Fantastic Four? Yeah. No, I, have, I, I won't get into. I won't. I won't get the last issue. I won't get into all of it. But I will say, speaking of Doom, Kristoff is back. Nice. Oh shit! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty that's dope. Pretty cool. It's yeah. pretty cool. I gotta say, I will tell you. I. I again, because we poo pooed much to the chagrin of many the prior issue um yeah. i i gotta give 580 its propers um it, it uh, it's drawn actually by nick dragota yeah, uh, yeah. with a very much a kirby feel which seems very fitting that the quote-unquote final Kir- you know fantastic force should be drawn by someone who pays such clear homage to kirby um and Kristoff's in it, and uh, you know it, uh, it. It's it's well done. It's it's a nice yeah. end cap. No, again, don't you? Scott, no, I I'm I'm not it's, Scott. It's, I I refuse to buy it because uh, not not only my distaste for the previous issue, but no matter how well written it is, uh, and how much of a of of a love letter to the character and the book it is, it doesn't ring true for me. It's bullshit. When you eulogize a character that we know is going to come back, it's bullshit. <laughs> oh, Johnny Storm was a valiant uh, warrior no, for sure. Give me a break. Though. I mean, I, I, I know. You know. So, no, but my, my my issue with the with those final pages in five eighty seven was that it's not like we saw him evaporated. It's not like we we just well, that's saw the, again that's the escape alien. hatch. But I liken yeah. this to let's go back to when I bitched and moaned about them killing Frank Castle. And then mm-hmm. you lecturing me, Vince, about how uh, it was cool, number one. And two, who cares if he's not going to be dead forever? And three, I should enjoy what comes next anyway for what it is. And I said, you know what? You're right. And like big boy, I came back and said, you know what? I didn't agree with the way they stupidly shot Frank and killed him. And I thought that was ridiculous. But Frank and Castle was badass. I'm just saying that. I And I, I understand I, I that. Too, but... I, too, had the same issues with 587 that you did. But 
looking at this issue for what it is, and again, regardless of whether you accept whether Johnny should have been killed, is in in the current status quo that Johnny has been killed, 588 was a very well done, well executed tribute issue. With and I'm sure art. I'm sure it was, but you got to admit, there's a world of difference between the Punisher and the Fantastic Four. Why? I mean, yes, they're on, both ongoing series; well, they're both fictional yeah, but characters, how so? but how so? Punisher's had more movies. I was going to say Punisher's made more money in the box office. I mean, that that that's great, but you you just don't fuck with the Fantastic Four. I've enjoyed the Punisher in the last fifteen years. Yeah, that's you. I mean, that's not. I'm just. That's my take on. I'm not. I'm not doing. It's it's nothing more. Right. It's it's nothing more than an emotional uh, quotient from that book being my first Marvel, my first comics, really love. Oh, so again, I, I can't yeah. look at it objectively. I can't. Okay, just, that's fine. But, and also yeah. I have to say, I, uh, I, will, I will withhold my judgment for future Foundation until I read it. Um, I, I was sort of thinking when they first announced that really we need Spider-Man in another book. But um, <laughs> in, this, <laughs> in this issue again, there is a awesome, I think well done, uh, pages between Spidey and Franklin, yeah, and um, and you know Franklin is totally bummed because he feels like he could have actually kept Johnny from being killed, and Spidey cheers Franklin up by saying, you know, my my uncle, I let my uncle die too, and uh, and, and it's what drove me. Oh, to be nice way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, and and J- Franklin's like really, and he tells him all about it. And he takes him for ice cream. It's cute. You know, yeah. he's like and then Sal, they, Sal was talking about that. Yeah, yeah. and and I again, I thought it was really again, it was sweet and and. And and tr- again, is uh, I make fun of Spider-Man, but I do think he's a great character, and ultimately that is certainly the the driving force between you know is his guilt over the people he's let die, um, and and uh, to bring that around to Franklin, who's at this point again omnipotent. I mean, pretty much can do almost anything again. Um, it's it was interesting. It was a nice nice uh, nice way to circle back and remind people that that uh, maybe Spider-Man being in this you know the FF isn't as wacky as or as out of left field as you know it seems oh, it's not wacky there's a yeah. precedent going back to amazing spider-man what i still two? wish it was white wingfoot joining the team instead but uh, there you go. hell yeah there it, you go it, it, bring it, the green chick with you did spidey take him to uh rumple myers for ice cream <laughs> uh you know i i don't if he i didn't notice to be honest if damn he, yeah that, that would have been all right <laughs> i, I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> no because i i, I, I did, they were um Back when Byrne was was doing the book, and Ben would take uh, Franklin to uh, Rumpel Myers, but Franklin would call it Rumpy Myers. Yep. The only odd part of that whole thing, and I really did think it was sweet, so I don't want to besmirch it, but there is one page where Spidey's chatting with him, and they're sitting on top of a building because that's where Spidey finds Franklin sitting on top of the Baxter Building, looking sullen. But they're chilling, eating their ice cream and stuff, and, and um, Spidey's like sitting on top of a gargoyle type of thing, you know, in a building. But he's got Franklin hanging from web fluid, like in a little basket under the gargoyle. I'm thinking like, hmm. Like, I mean, Better be I done in Frank- an hour. Yeah, like, I don't know, like can't you put the kid on the roof? Like why is he going to be hanging from everywhere? Obviously, obviously the man does not possess children of his own. <laughs> exactly. No. No. Yeah, he's, that, he's that cool uncle that dangles the kid out of the window. It's, yep. it's funny. Yeah. Well, at least it's not in this continuity. Right, yeah. yeah. The devil made him do it. So. Yeah. That's good. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad my friends are digging comics. I'm the only one out there, but... Well, you got to give Crota's props. It was beautiful. Oh, God, It looked... The issue looked great. It really did. Made me kind of wish that Dragota popped up more in the past 10 issues. Great, absolutely. Yeah, very true. 
I read. Can I go again or no? <laughs> you guys care? <laughs> this is just. This, this Dude, is I just very. You're asking permission. That's I, I was very surprised. Uh, I didn't try any of the. Well, I'm lying. I briefly dipped my toe in the Soleil stuff with that universe, Universal uh, War One. Universal War. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. Um, I had some reservations, but I mean, it was all right. But uh, I picked up. Uh, a Soleil book hardcover on the cheap. It was only like six bucks at the LCS. And I thought I'd give it a try because it looked kind of cool. It's called Daffodil. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a vampire story mm-hmm. written by, uh, Frederick Brimoud. Brimoud? I don't know. B double R E M A U D. And there's a accent over the E. But the art by, art is by Giovanni Rigano. Colors by Paolo Lamana. And um, you guys familiar with the work of Ralph Bakshi? Sure. Of course. Cool world. Well, oh, yeah. pic- picture three curvaceous, diminutive vampire chicks. Very hot, as drawn by Ralph Bakshi. And that's pretty much what Daff- Daffodil is. Yeah. It- it's, like, it's like a more explicit cool world set in a vampire there's nudity in it there's bloodletting obviously because there's vampires there's uh debauchery and mayhem but it has a a cutesy uh bit of shorthand where um i don't want to say animation style because oddly enough this um giovanni regano switches up his art style over the i guess there's three issues collected here the the first is very linear very animation like clean lines um not unlike a Bakshi movie. The second takes on a very hyper-detailed, mm, almost Jeff Darrow-esque uh, style for the backgrounds and the architecture. I mean, the main characters are still very... Uh, you know what, who else it looks like? The uh, Cam and Coley guy. The guy oh, that oh, did... Um, yeah, the, he did um, Young Avengers Runaways, That right? Mm-hmm. right. Yeah, well, awesome. I mean, th- there's that kind of very linear, very animated style, but the backgrounds are, are sick. And the third issue gets really dark. I mean, the, uh, the characters seem to take on an, a more realistic, more real-world type um, style of drawing where you don't have that that shorthand technique where they use in animation because you're drawing a hell of a lot of frames. There's there's uh, very detailed drawing going on in the clothing and in the facial features. So it's the same guy over the three issues, but if I threw it at you and didn't tell you any credits, you'd say, who are these three dudes that drew this? It, it looks like different artists over the course of each issue, which is kind of weird because maybe it was just the fact that I guess these were released in album format in their country of origin oh, so they, they may not have come out uh, quickly they may have taken the guy years to do these three issues I don't know so he may have matured or found different a different voice over a period of time but it's all really cool um we're trying to get you to, to yeah that blows. yeah fill it, yeah. Fill it. Um, well, a couple number ones I just want to do a quick hit on because I don't want to get too much in them. But uh, Silver Surfer number one came out with uh, Greg Pak uh, written, uh, Steven Segovia penciled, and Iron Man 2.0 came out, which is uh, oh, yeah, 
uh, War Machine, basically, but for some reason they're calling it Iron Man 2.0, which I cannot for the life of me figure out why they're calling it Iron Man 2.0. Um, but it's Nick Spencer, who seems to be everywhere these days, uh, with Barry Kitson uh, artwork. Oh, um, uh, I, I, neither floated my boat all too much, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I think Pac's a really good writer, um, and I definitely think it's been long enough since we had a Silver Surfer focused book that I was thinking this might be pretty cool, and maybe it will be. Uh, um, but uh, this is, a, I should say, it's number one of a five-issue series, although Pac has said that if the um, demand is good enough that this could be the entree for a new uh, Silver Surfer ongoing. Um, it just, uh, it picks up where Chaos War kind of left off, although it doesn't explicitly say it, it just alludes to it. Um, you don't really need to know that one way or the other, but the, it picks up with Silver Surfer back on Earth which, you know, some people might be wondering how that happened. Um, and uh, uh, it involves the high evolutionary, Mick pops in. Um, and let's just say that Silver Surfer, who, those that know the character know that he's, he's um, by nature of his power cosmic and the uh, silver skin that's on him and stuff, he's really not very emotional. He's kind of lost his, well, he's not a human, but he's lost his, for lack of a better term, humanity. Um, uh as a byproduct of becoming the Silver Surfer. And in this, the High Evolutionary effectively gives him back his humanity, if you will. Um, so, it's uh, interesting setup issue, but, you know, again, looking at it objectively, like first issue and how we're saying how hard it is to rope in people these days, if I was picking up this first issue, not necessarily having much of an affinity for Silver Surfer, but curious because maybe I saw him in another book or read, you know, read him in the in the recent, you know, Thanos Imperative or something. Uh eh. You know, not a not a real ton there. I think it really kind of you know get got me jazzed. It was you know I, I'm I'm going to be on board for the rest because you know I'll give Pac the benefit of the doubt. Um, but uh, it needs to pick it up. I think after the first issue, um, and then Iron Man 2.0. I think Chris, you had said last week that you know nothing against Nick Spencer, but he seems to have been anointed the next great writer, and and he hasn't necessarily earned that rep yet in spite of being pretty mm-hmm. prolific. I definitely agree with you, and uh, and I definitely think this is another example of that. Um, I, I mean, it's probably in this market hard enough for Rhodey to carry a book because it is ultimately, sure. um, you know, another Iron Man type of book. Um, people, you know, he certainly gets he's had a lot of shots at his own series. Um, Barry it was Kitson, it was it was Kitson on art. Kitson on art. Yeah. Is there any or way that the they, is, is, is there any way no. that could could we take. switch and have Spencer work with? Laroca and put Kitson on Iron Man. Well, I was just because say, I would David, buy one of those books. To David's point, uh, it's Kitson and then Cano um, does okay. some of the pages as well. Um, well first, this first. Uh, the, the last time I well, I guess I saw Kitson in Le- Legion Superheroes. I also saw him what he the did order. Uh, the Order. Uh, this I have to look who inked him because this Kitson is does not look as sharp as the Order Kitson. Uh, it would be the anchor then. So it's got to be the anchor. Because uh, yeah. yeah, when I think Barry Kitson, I think really sharp. Exactly, exactly. Detailed, uh, not, you know, really nice, thin, beautiful lines. He did but, that amazing Spider-Man arc where Peter told his uh, identity to the Fantastic Four. Right, right, okay. Um, but I will say that, that much of the same reason I've kind of lost my fervor for the Fraction Invincible Iron Man since Stark Disassembled, which I thought was awesome, but ever since, I feel like it's basically been a talkie book. 
It's been just page after page after page of Stark reflecting on his life and the current status quo and just very, very... Screenshots. Yeah, just almost no action. Well, this, again, first... It's a lot lot of work with the DVD player there, Jason. Don't discount that. I'm not even talking about the art. I'm just talking about the story. But but uh, in this book, um, it just again, almost no action. It's 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 Rhodey being brought back. Tony makes Rhodey go back into the military because um, he's worried that if he doesn't provide a liaison to the military he can trust, that they'll find a liaison he can't trust for his weapons. So he asks Rhodey to step back into uniform. Rhodey does. And it's just Rhodey meeting his team, which is literally in a conference room with a bunch of bureaucrats and secretary. And uh, the, there's it's it's just four it's four panel grids. Almost the entire book is four panel grids. It's just four panel grid after four panel grid of just Rhodey talking to other human beings. And I just that's a Sahara. Wow. That's dry. I mean, wow. If if if, if if it's I mean, if this is what what the book's tone is going to be, it, this book isn't lasting more than a trade or two. So pick it up, guys. I mean, I, I mean, pick it up to the, like, make it more, you know, comics need, if you're going to have a comic about War Machine, it needs to be fun. Yeah. It needs to be action-packed. They better be blowing some shit up. That's what I'm saying. He's War Machine, for God's sakes. I mean, he's that, his name, he's, he's Iron Man with lots of fucking weapons. Like, that's yeah. the whole premise of the idea, right? It's like, and again, I, I, it's not to say you can't make Rhodey, who I do think is an interesting character, which had a lot of, I, it doesn't say you can't make part of it about Rhodey, but, I mean, you. It, Blow something not, up. It's not Rhodey. It's 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 you know that's the book. So um, yeah, not not blown away by by those two number ones. You know, it's it, it's funny the the and it's turning into into me not being heavy about comics apparently this episode. Um, I'm ha- I'm halfway through Morning Glories and I'm just not feeling it. Um, that's another one. I I it got so much hype. I I've ordered yeah. every issue. I read the first four and. Just have felt no compulsion to, to yeah. go back and pick it yeah. up again. Yeah. I just, uh, Give that Iron Man 2.0 back to Pack and uh, Manko. That miniseries was great. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I didn't mind the uh, last one. I didn't mind when, when the, um, what was it, Iron Man? The Well, I guess Iron Man became War Machine, right, most recently? That yeah. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. After Invincible uh, launched. And, yep. uh, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I thought that was entertaining as hell. There was, I mean, at one point, fucking... Rhodey takes a fucking space station and morphs it into a giant Iron Man mecha. That's yeah, cool. that's cool. That's cool. See, that's what. That's awesome. That's big, fun action. Like it's that's crazy. Like, Put your Silver Iron Age mecha. socks on. Yeah, think, that's think awesome. Silver Age. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah. So back. Can I can I finish the daffodil thing? Or did yeah, Chris? Wait. You have more about more in glories? Um, it's. It, it's it's okay. It's not spectacular. I'm... Yeah, I passed on that too. You know what? I'm a, I'm a bit afraid because I recently got the uh, what's the image series that blew all up? Skull for, kickers. No, Skull for for uh, no 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 for Spencer. Oh, for Morning Glories Existence Two Point No. Um, Existence Three It's it's right here. It's right here. Oh, it is Morning Glories. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'm a bit afraid to read that now because, uh, yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afeard. Your mileage may vary. Again, one thing we know full well after doing this show for 150 episodes, well, 149, is that uh, our interpretation of books are not necessarily mentioning the other books. I mean, mean, other people's views. I mean, lots of people are raving about Morning Glories. Yeah. But, you know, on Image's behalf, they did price it. Very attractively, nine ninety nine for what six issues? Yeah. 
That's not bad. That's not bad. Page out of the Vertigo book, yeah. All right, briefly. The premise of Daffodil is really cool. There, there exists. Oh, there, God. really briefly. Yeah, no, briefly. No, 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 no. I'm just. Well, you got it, Vince. It is funny. You say it very briefly, then you say the premise. It means you're about to spell out. Like, oh, no, the premise is 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 a one is a one or two sentence premise. There exists a parliament of vampires, a ruling council of bloodsuckers, because the human population is dwindling, and if the vampires have no. It's more uh, than no it's, food it's, to uh, consume, they're gonna starve. So, oh, it's just like that uh, Ethan Hawke movie. That uh, oh, is it really? Oh, oh, Daybreak or whatever. The hell yeah, yeah. And you have to petition the parliament in order to feed. They, they'll only do it at their release because they want to limit the amount of, of of bloodshed. That's their their livestock. So, uh, one of the parliament goes rogue, Nosferatu, uh, and it's really cool. It's drawn. Uh, a very exaggerated Klaus Kinski Nosferatu. I mean, the face is pure Kinski, but he has real long bat ears. It's it's kind of neat. Uh, he goes rogue and sends his minions into a town, and they just run roughshod over the place. That's where Daffodil and her two vampire companions come in. The Parliament sends them in to find out what's going on and stop the shit. That's what this is all about. But there's something in the town that Nosferatu is looking for. And it trails through the three issues. It's I had a good a lot of fun with it. I liked that it a lot. Like it's it's sexy. Uh, there's there's cartoon nudity in it. Uh, a lot of bloodshed. A lot of a lot of sex. And uh, it's beautiful. The artwork is is very gorgeous. It's European, so it's a cut above. You know, I liked it a lot. And it was cheap. I mean, I don't know what it retailed for. I'm thinking. 19 or 24 bucks but i got it for like six dollars so mm-hmm. it was a, a win-win so there you go that was brief when Piss I off. Say briefly i think of inigo um Montez. <laughs> I, I do not think that means what you think it means i have um i i have the latest mini comic science addiction by uh mr john carnes uh of jerks in space oh this was nice. uh, yeah. This was sent to me. Jason would absolutely adore this because the cover is a homage to the official handbook of the Marvel Universe Deluxe Edition issue. Nice. Seven. You know what? I, I believe I could be if if I believe he is. He has sent me it as well. I haven't. I mean, I haven't received it yet. But I'm saying I know that he asked me for my address, so I'm gonna. This assume. thing is. I I won't spoil anything for you. I mean, there's there's uh, there's an Ohatmu couple pages in the back nice but, yeah it's that uh, is a, that's the key it, to my heart right there it's, he uh he does thank the 11 o'clock comics podcast and the special oh. thanks Root. uh this thing it's it was it's funny it's it's science fictiony it just he uh there are a bunch of people. There's a group of people on the moon. They're drinking wine, and uh, oh, there you go. No wonder you love it. It's, but but <laughs> what you'll love, you'll love the uh, the the vineyard that this the, the wine is from, Kurtzberg. Hey, Jacob. God uh, love him. Uh, there, it's it, there. There are space exterminators trying to catch mice. There are robots. There's there's. Uh, it's it's funny. I laughed a couple of times. It's just it's it's really cool. I you know we've talked about many comics here and there in the past and and this was just this was unexpected and 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 i enjoyed it a whole hell of a lot oh, jerks and space is great space.com yeah um you can jerks see the cover jerks and space.com because i think i yeah. talked over you that's sorry it's uh but no check it out check out the website pick this up it's um i 
I had fun. This is the, this is the kind of book as as we're walking down Artist Alley. This is definitely the kind of book that that, that would catch my eye. Hell yeah! And pick up and, and walk away with, and it's um, it's the passion. I, I, it's I, the passion I, that gets you. Yeah, I like John's style and and their little footnotes on on a few of the pages, and it really is. It's, Boing. it's nice. It's clean. There's this. Um, there's good stuff. I was and going if, to save it for it in your travels, but no, seriously, it, 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 it means a few minutes to be talked about. Oh, ah, nice. Cool. Yeah, so. If you'd like to get in touch with the creator of that book, John Kay, come to our forum, because he's there. He is there. com forward slash forum. As usual, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can find funny books at ridiculously low prices, 35 to 75% off certain items in their monthly spotlight specials. We have yet to receive this month's list of slashed items, but when we know, you'll know. Uh, and while you're there, skip on over to their digital arm. Uh, that's my comic. No, what am I saying here? MyDigitalComics.com. You can get Duncan the Wonder Dog for nine ninety nine. Other comics as low as ninety nine cent. Cheapness. And Chris, where else will we find a whole bunch of comic goodness? You you need to go to c two e two dot com and buy your tickets by the fourteenth. Cidos, cidos, dos. Yeah, it's a C2E2. It's going to be March 18th through the 20th. Um, downtown Chicago at McCormick Place. We're going to be there. We're going to be looking at buying and talking about comics. You can come to the uh, comic book podcasting panel on Friday at 6.30. And uh, I'm sure there will be tomfoolery uh, about after that. So, yes, uh, C2E2.com. Go get your details there. Hey, in your travels, you sons of bitches, go to a comic stop, comic shop, and read. I'm looking through my pile here for a noteworthy comic. Read. I don't want to say Spawn, even though everybody knows. Ah, here's a good one. I got a call from a, a salesman today. His name was Al Simmons. Kind of freaked nice. me out. Nice. I'd be like, dude, you're you're killer in that costume. <laughs> Read from United Plankton Pictures. It's SpongeBob Comics number one. Aye. Go get it because it's it's all <laughs> kinds of. Wrong. No, it's not wrong. It's awesome. The, the 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 list of creators on this friggin' thing is incredible. But don't take my word for it. Just go get it. I think Kachalka's in here too. There's a reason to go get it. I was gonna say that's another reason for me to avoid it. Oh, um, there's a, there's a... Hillary Barda's in here. Oh, that's cool. All right. Not Jesus Christ, Hillary Barda. Mm -hmm. Close, but not Jesus. Can I go now? Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, I I have to say, I have to give Chris's back. We need the pregnant pause today to make sure that somebody doesn't talk over it. I know. (laughs) Seems like somebody's undies are a little too tight. Go ahead. Oh, oh, wait! I forgot. I found, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. Briefly, oh. briefly. Oh, train wreck. <laughs> um, uh, the fifth Freak Angels trade came out this week. Ooh. And, uh, continues to be a, a great web comic that I only read uh, in the printed edition. So um, check out check out some Freak Angels, which continues to be really, really good. Nice. Uh, I'm going to say. There was a website ages ago that I um, that I downloaded a bunch of books from in PDF form. Um, 
it's it's uh, actually I, I I downloaded Southern Nights from uh, from them a while ago, the old Jackson Geist drawn comic strip. But um, Wowio, who I know we've kind of after they were bought out, and I think some of the other creators that had their books put out by Wowio, I think there was an issue with people not getting paid, and and um, and it wasn't pretty for a while. I did check out the site last week. Uh, there is a um, there's wowio.com slash keenspot. They have some free PDF books that you can download and read on your iPad. So I've been checking out uh, things like Sore Thumbs. And uh, there was one that I downloaded this morning, but I haven't checked it out yet. Uh, last Blood, number one. So more... Uh, more free books to read. Uh, it's PDF, so you can read it on the screen or uh, or on your iPad. Cool. Very cool. Sounds good. Um, and uh, in your travels, if you feel like uh, embracing the silliness of Silver Age wacky ideas uh, and remembering why comics are fun, pick up Axe Cop number one from Dark Horse Comics. Axe Cop Bad Guy Earth, number one of three. You probably heard of Axe Cop very... Uh, Caught the Zeitgeist this past year as a webcomic uh, created by a six-year-old Malachi Nicole and illustrated by his much older brother, uh, uh, Ethan Nicole. Uh, Dark Horse has commissioned these guys to put out an actual tried-and-true print comic, and uh, the first issue is a frickin' hoot. It's about a cop with an axe who has a flying car and a dinosaur sidekick. And he decides he needs to blow up a planet that just mysteriously appeared, and everybody else wants to stop him. It's badass, people. It's uh, yeah, it's just really fun. Yeah. So, I would, I would, I would venture to say funner than Iron Man 2.0. Uh, it's not even. It's incomprehensibly more fun than <laughs> Iron Man 2.0. Oh my goodness! <laughs> that's, that's my talking Freddy Krueger doll. Yikes. Oh my god! That's yeah, it's disturbing. awesome. That is a It's one of those pull the ring pull things, but you gotta oh, yeah. catch it on the. Oh. Pleasant dreams. He wants to be your friend. Freddie wants to be your friend, okay. and we want to be your friend. Thank you for being here this week. We love you so much. In the groove <laughs> next week. There's a groove. <laughs> David screwed this one up. You can't. Knock I really that. did. Yeah. You know. Like the uh, we love you, and thank you for listening. We'll be back. Yeah. Say bye bye. Bye bye. Peace out. That's fucked up. <laughs> only, only, fucked we up? Could, only we could open up an episode talking about cross psychopath and end it talking about a six year old's comic book. Lying. Soldier.